Don't get me wrong, you have your challenges. You're erratic and belligerent and a gigantic pain in the balls, but you are not your father. You're your own man. Man, no. You're just a kid. You're just beginning. And you're smart. So you've got time to turn things around. Hi. Name? Oh, I'm Handler, comma, Barbara. And what are you here for today, Barbara? I'm here to see my gynecologist. And now for a special episode of the Pop Zara Podcast. It's movie time. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, everybody in the audience. It is Pop Zara's movie time podcast. That's right. It's the best, the worst, and everything else that we loved, hated, and frankly, we're indifferent to with movies for 2023 because it's movie time season. It's Oscar bait. I think the Golden Globes, did they happen already? I don't know. Either way, we're, take, <laughs> we're taking advantage. So that in the background, let's talk about this. So this is managing editor Nathan Evans of popzara.com. You know the other guy, Ethan Bram. Ethan, welcome back. Hey, hey. But we can't do it alone. We need help. And for this, we have two debuts. That's right, two debuts. Two new Popzar editors that have been contributing quite a bit the last couple months, almost a half a year, I think. Mm-hmm. And with that, let's go ahead and introduce them as they make their movie time Popzar debut. First up, Will Griffin. Will, welcome. Well, welcome Hi there. to the podcast. Thanks, Nathan. Hey, look at that. That's a small intro, but but big heart. And the other one, and if I get this wrong, you know where to send the hate letters, is not other than Susanna Bujorquez. Did I get it right? Yes. Yes. See? Phonetics are your friend. Phonetics. Will and Susanna, first timers to the Popzara podcast, first time to anything. What a debut. We are going to be talking about the best, the worst, like I said, everything else that we loved and hated. Well, everything else about movies in 2023. Ethan, you and I have been doing this, what, four years now? Uh, This is my sixth one. Six. Yeah. Yeah. And we've had all sorts of guests on this thing. We've had critics. We've had everybody on this thing. And now we have Will and Susanna. That makes it the best. Speaking of the best, uh, Ethan, real quick, run us through the format. Because if you've listened to this before, you know we've gone way over the time limit. And we have a tendency to prattle, especially me, to save your sanity and your downloads. Ethan, what's the format? Yeah. So in the past, we've done kind of like, uh, you know... uh... I'll read my favorites, you'll read your favorites, and whoever else. Uh, but this year I figured we'd go a little round-robin style and, you know, just pass the torch um, and do a little backwards counting maybe towards our favorites and then maybe do our worst, our least favorites after that one. And, you know, there might be some crossover and and uh, diverging opinions, but that's what we're here for. So you're saying we're organized this time? Yeah. Okay, so, all right. <laughs> Well, round robin style. So let's let's do this. Let's do this. So are we going? Are we going from top ten? Is that it? Top ten favorites? Yeah, and we can do. Uh, you know, we can do. You want to do honorable mentions after? Yeah. Where we do that, and then you know, go oh. from there. Ethan, you can't give them all the good stuff up front. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You've Got to keep them waiting. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's flip a coin. Boom. Okay. Tell you what, Ethan, you go first because you are you have some seniority. Okay. I'll start with my number. 10, which uh, was a movie that I think a lot of people saw last year. Uh, it's called Creed 3. I think it was the best Creed installment, and honestly, it's I think I liked it better than any of the Rocky movies, personally. Uh, finally, kind of breaks free from the Rocky lineage in a good way, forms its own identity, um, directed by Michael B. Jordan, his debut. And uh, it's he makes like this accessible, intriguing, movie-going experience, but still 
kind of imbues it with this artistry. He has a lot of uh, Japanese anime influenced fight sequences. He, you know, takes the best of the Rocky movies elements, such as, you know, the the sympathy for the villain who's played by Jonathan Majors, um, you know, the theatrical elements from three and four. Uh, kind of the conflicts with with uh, Creed, Apollo Creed's or uh, Adonis Creed's fame, um, like Rocky II did really well with uh, Rocky Balboa. Uh, I just really loved this movie. I thought it was really artistic and entertaining at the same time, which is like my favorite stuff. Who would have thought like a whole franchise would come from sequels to Rocky IV? Yeah. So a good franchise too, and and, and yeah. Creed one is a good movie. Creed two is okay. But um, I was not expecting much from this, honestly, and I wasn't even really looking forward to watching it uh, after Creed 2. Well, and I was blown away, honestly. I thought it was fantastic. I don't know if you guys saw this. I, I know, Nathan, you saw yeah. this one. But... Well, I'm a, you know me. I'm a, a Rocky apologist. So. Yeah. You... I, I saw it. I really liked it as well. Yeah. I think it's a really good trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. And they announced part four. They did? Yep. Like two weeks ago. Huh. You know what's funny? Anything's possible. Well, you know what's funny? Well, have you, did you see, have you seen Creed 3 or any of the Creed movies? I saw the first one, and I remember seeing uh, some promo stuff for the third one, and I remember him talking about inspiration for one of the scenes is from, like, an old boxing anime. Yeah. It's very oh, much, cool. it's uh-huh. it's very it's very much inspired by anime. Um, yeah. Well, Michael B. Jordan loves anime, so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he is an anime. You know, um... <laughs> You know who you know who the best thing is that Jonathan Majors man he's gonna be one to watch he's, he's got a <laughs> yeah he's gonna be the, the next uh, bad for uh, he's Marvel, going right? he's go, he's going places I can't wait for his uh, magazine dreams to come out <laughs> no yeah in all seriousness the relationship between Creed and his character was I thought was fantastic it was um I, I had me tearing up at the end just kind of the it, it was kind of heartbreaking um, Jonathan Majors character's arc and kind of you see why he has a chip on his shoulder and i I mean we've sympathized with with rocky villains in the past but this is i think the most sympathetic of any of them i will say this Mm -hmm. um before we go off from this uh r.i.p to carl weathers who passed away yes yes the original apollo creed when did he pass away last week a couple of days ago yeah what Mm -hmm. i how did i always miss this stuff oh my gosh i love him yeah like he was he was one of the great ones and yeah he's the best part of happy gilmore too he is. He's one of the only good parts about it, Miko Moore. Uh, sorry. All right. So who's ne- so? What's next? What's the rules? Okay. So then, um, let's go. Who, who wants to go next? Uh, who, who, uh, what does the coin say? What does the coin, coin say? Flip, flip, flip. Coin, coin says, "Susanna, Susanna, you are you are <laughs> next." You so it's going to go. Okay. Ethan, okay. Ethan, yeah. Susanna, Will, and me. So. Okay. Well, I'm not going to choose my top movie or anything. I'm just going to pick a random one that I really liked. Um, John Wick Four. Didn't what see that the... one. You didn't see it. Did yeah. anyone see it? I did. I loved it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the John Wick franchise. Even though I think it's gone on maybe a little long now. Maybe they should have ended it at, like, maybe just the first movie. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I really like it. I think I like seeing Keanu Reeves out there again being popular. Because for a long time, I think, you know, people were kind of, like, down on him. But now people love him again, which is great. He's uh, busy you know, mm-hmm. and um, I think it has maybe the best action scenes of all the films. The fight choreography has never been better. Um, even though it's it's a little exaggerated, I will say, but I enjoy that still. I, I don't know if I like the fact that it's kind of complicated now, because in the first movie, it's really simple. You know, somebody kills his dog and he wants revenge. And now there's this whole, I, I don't know what you call it, the 
Let's see. Like okay, so now like, like a mythology? Like world building? Yeah, behind it. Like, I know they have to do that because the movies are going on and on and on, but I don't know. Like, I, they're, I trying to, like they're trying to add lore to the dog. Well, what's the spinoff uh, with Mel Gibson? Have you seen this? No. No, it's a, it's a TV show. Uh, John Dick? No. <laughs> so, actually, I've never seen it either, but let me let me see what it's called. It is called... With the Mel Co- Gibson. The Continental from the World of John Wick. Yep. With Mel, huh. Gib- with Mel Gibson. Yep. That's kind of cool. You know, you ask, they, they keep making him, Susanna, because they keep making more money. Like, every time they make one, it makes more money than the last one. Yeah, I think the fourth one has made the most money out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And, That's incredible. Well, what's really incredible is that Keanu Reeves, like you said, he's popular. But I think it's more than that. I think he's crossed over. And I think he um, he's now Into like... an action star? I think he's become Tom Hanks. Like that's really? like I don't mean like as an actor, but I mean like I think beloved. He's as beloved as Tom Hanks is. Yeah. Like you never hear negative stories about Keanu Reeves. It's all positive. No. Yeah. yeah. I I um did not see John Wick four. I, I saw John Wick one, and it's funny because the team who made the first John Wick had just keeps making different versions of like they did <laughs> Nobody, and then um, what was the one? Oh, with, I think uh, uh, the, the one with Charlize Theron. Uh, yeah, Atomic yeah, Bond. Atomic yes. Bond, and then yeah. they just keep making like versions of that. And then what was the one with, um, oh man, Mary uh, Winstead, where she's like Mary Elizabeth Winstead, where she's like in Japan or something. There's like something similar, and there's like the same like producers and writers like, that are like crossed over so many times to do these other projects. It's weird. Did he do? Deadpool? But no, I love nobody though. Like, did he do Deadpool too, mm-hmm. as well? Uh, or one that of was them. Sean Le- That was Sean Levy or Levy. Or one of them. They just but. I'll tell you what, though. Ever since the John Wick franchise came out, action movies were have been fun again. And yes. They've been, they've been interesting again. Say. And and some of them have been, I, in my opinion, I think some of them have been even better than John, the first John Wick. Um, I think it's 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 evolved even to where I think we're perfecting the formula in a way. Did anybody? It's not. I don't. It didn't make my list, and I don't know if it made anybody else's list. But did anybody ever see see that movie called Sisu? Mm-hmm. Did you see it? Wasn't it about yeah, the same? Was it the same guys who did John Wick? Um, no. I, it's pretty much the same story, though, except he's uh, killing yeah, Nazis. Yeah, that's another. No, that uh, the director made um, Rare Exports from 2010. Oh that's yes, like big the, uh, movie. Yeah, I saw Sisu. Uh, it was good. It was the, uh, really creative action, um, gore effects were really on point. Um, kind of lacked some depth and like a, a real good character arc, and I think that was the main issue people had with it. And when I was watching, I was like, I really want there, there to be a little, little more. Um, profundity here but uh it was really entertaining though man rare exports. it was like a world war two uh john wick kind of kill the nazis like you yeah know, can never, that never gets old it's like inglorious bastards meets john wick huh that's interesting that's yeah so okay uh but john wick 4 yeah everybody loves john wick everybody loves john wick 4 okay so next up uh let's see i think it's will will mm-hmm. what do we got uh so my, my list is semi out of order. I tried to make it into an order, but I, I couldn't. Um, I guess the first one I'll talk about is Past Lives, which was the first movie I saw that I wrote about for Popzara. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, yeah, and I really liked it. It was the, I think I think when I said in my review, I think what I liked most about it was that it feels very not impersonal, but kind of like the, like the camera a lot of times feels like it's in the background and it's just watching the characters and it's just letting them exist and letting them explore um i loved seeing it's funny that one of the main actors them 
can't remember his name. He plays the main character's um, boyfriend later in the film. And I remember recognizing him. And I loved him in The Big Short. He had a, a yep. minor part. But it was funny seeing like a little bit of familiarity in him. And what I think really makes the movie, what makes it really important, at least for me, was... Maybe without spoiling, there's a, uh, there's an argument that two characters have that you think because of regular like rom-com tropes that it's going to be this big fight. It's going to be this huge dramatic and it's gonna it's gonna cause this rift between two characters and he bring and the character who brings up this potential argument brings up in a way that says like i think i'm in the wrong and i'm just having doubt and worry and i need you to help me with it which is it for me that in terms of i haven't seen much very many movies compared to most other critics but that surprised me especially how well executed it was and just letting characters explore what their feelings were instead of assuming that a character had to have this feeling to make the plot for to push the plot forward if that makes sense yeah well, it did a lot it reminded me a lot of what pig did i don't know if you guys saw pig from a couple years ago um I'm, I'm, i'll bring up past lives again in a little bit but um just piggybacking what you said yeah it, it does um it does definitely subvert uh rom-com tropes I, I love movies that kind of challenge you and make you uncomfortable with picking the right answer um but kind of ask you a question um, kind of leading you to the wrong answer, but making you work to get the right answer. And this movie really does that really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, she has to make, uh, you know, in a sense, she has to make a choice uh, between this guy that, you know, all. Uh, if you've seen enough rom-coms, it's obvious, oh, you know, you got to go with the guy from your childhood who you had mm-hmm. a crush on and, and all this stuff. And, and then, but then, it's either him or, or her husband who's you know less attractive white guy who's shorter than this other guy you know less you know quote-unquote manly and like less attractive or whatever and in the story her husband even says um his name's arthur he says in the story i would be the evil white american husband standing in the way of destiny and and you really think okay this is gonna go um one of two ways like it's either gonna lean into our uh, romanticism of her story with her childhood crush or it's going to go the logical uh, uh, pure way of her ending up with her husband who you know for, we see her she loves him and, and their relationship's awesome and they have a really great communication and openness to each other's uh, like emotions and, and ideas and it's just a beautiful relationship but then it's challenged by something that movies would tell us to root for and it's I thought it was beautiful I, I, I loved it honestly mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, thank you, Will. You are the first person to bring up an Oscar nominated film. So, for Best yeah. Picture. So, there we go. One one down. Mm-hmm. I, one down. I actually haven't seen Poor Thing. Uh, not Poor Thing, excuse me. I haven't actually seen Past Lives yet. Uh, oh, you'll love it, dude. I, you'll love it. There's a yeah. list of things that you, you all have seen that I feel jealous of because I don't get to see some of the cool stuff first. That's, <laughs> that's what happens when you don't live in California, by the way. You live far away. <laughs> Far, far away. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess it's my turn then. Um, here we go. In the opposite direction of all those good things, um, a movie that I did not think I would like very much, but it turns out it had something I liked. It's not usually my genre, but Zom 100 Bucket List of the Dead. <laughs> yeah. Not not nominated for Best Picture, but... Wait, if oh, I okay. can ask really quick, is that the live-action version of yes. the anime that came out? Yes. Good question. So, turns out Netflix decided to fool you. 
Netflix brought out the movie ZOM 100 Bucket List of the Dead and decided to bring out a completely separate anime version right around the same time. Um, mm. but that's good too, but I'm not really into modern anime very much, to be quite fair, so hate letters to me. But, uh, Will, have you, it sounds like, have you seen it? Are you familiar with this? I watched a few episodes, um, and I feel like I remember hearing about the live action, but usually when live action anime happens, mm-hmm. and it's almost always from Netflix, oh, yeah, it doesn't usually end well. Oh yeah, it's usually except terrible. For, I, I, except for One Piece that I heard everyone really liked. There's something about this, it reminds, I don't know if I, anyone here has ever uh, saw another Japanese live action anime zombie movie from a couple years ago called I Am Hero about a, a nerdish uh, manga artist who survives the zombie apocalypse. I thought, when I saw the trailer for this, I thought, that, oh, are they redoing it? No, it's a completely different movie about uh, just about a, an office drone who celebrates the zombie apocalypse because he can finally do the things he didn't have time for. And it just, it, it goes to places that I didn't think it was going to go. The zombie effects are the best zombie effects I have seen since, well, since the 80s. Uh, to mm-hmm. me, they're better than... They're actually much better, more creative than Walking Dead. Um, the music's great. It's very clean. I, I hate to be prejudiced, but if you watch a lot of Japanese movies, they tend to be melodramatic. They tend to be television quality a little bit. And this is not one of those those scenarios. This is it's not like a Cory Eda movie where you know it's a slice of life. No, it's schlock, and it's great schlock. And I'll say this without spoiling anything: there is a climatic fight with a great white shark. Uh, in a museum with legs at the end. So, no, this movie is not nominated for any Oscars, uh, nor should it be, but it was fun, it was surprising, and I will take this over at least half the movies in the top ten of the Best Picture nominees, just because it was fun, and it was surprising. That sometimes, I just, at the time, I needed that. So, nice. I'm the only one who saw this, right? Yeah, I wanted to see it actually. It, it looked very intriguing, and I, I, it's right up my alley. I think. But, I thought I, um, I, just I think didn't I gave to... I gave you a screener. Yeah, I have it. I just didn't watch it. I gave him a lot of screeners, by the way. He has a lot. Of yeah, screeners. I got. It. So, okay, dokie. Uh, well, moving forward. So, Ethan, I think we're back to you. So, what's next? Yeah, um, I'm going to go to my number nine here, which is um, American Fiction, mm-hmm. uh, one that oh, I, I love. That there we go. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, you know about. A famous writer, a black writer, uh, played by Jeffrey Wright, who has kind of a complicated relationship with his own race, uh, struggles to be, uh, I think, viewed at face value by others, both within his race and outside of his his race. Um, And although he's kind of fed up with uh, what I guess the movie kind of calls black misery porn books, and not really, you know, but, you know, books that... uh, kind of uh, seduce an audience to want to watch uh, these uh, like impoverished black people exploitation you know, exploitation is yeah. a great word yeah um, and they've kind of like flooded the market but, and, and so he writes his own version of that as a pseudonym and this is a guy who's like he says he doesn't believe in race or see race or whatever uh, and so he writes his own book and pretends to be this like uh, this uh, fel- ex-felon or yeah, escaped convict I guess um, you know, the satire is a little heavy handed at times, but this is a really, really good think piece that kind of throws all stereotypes out the window while still commenting on all of them. Um, and it kind of discusses the turning point when underrepresentation threatens to become overrepresentation. Um, and it also kind of poses question about questions about um, the purpose of art and is it for relating or is it for empathizing with and kind of 
dissects it without giving you an answer and kind of leaves it up to you. Uh, it's really good. The, and the, the soundtrack's awesome, too. It's got, like, this freeform jazz soundtrack. Uh, Pam from The Cosby Show's in it. Uh, I forget the actress's name. Yeah, She's really and good. A, and A Perfect World, by the way. Remember? Yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's just incredibly rich. It paints this really dynamic picture of just America in a way that I think a lot of movies aren't doing right now. And they're kind of more myopic, myopic with their view of our, our society where this one, uh, kind of expands on that a lot better. Now, Susanna, I know you saw it and I think, Will, I, I think you saw it as well. So mm-hmm. let's do, uh, I, well, I remember you and I chatted about this before I had a chance to see it. So right. you weren't the biggest fan though. So, right. Yeah, I think, well, I think the trailers I saw, I mean, basically mimic a lot of what Ethan's talking about. This is very strong, very pointed cultural critique. And I went in expecting that. And then what I didn't expect was how it was, I mean, stripping that stuff away. It feels more like what we're meant to focus on is like the emotional relationship he has with his family, with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like what's we're really watching is him, the writer, but it's how he's alienated a lot of the people in his life. And I thought that was great and really compelling and that was where a lot of the comedy came from for me like i mean in the there's a like that scene in the trailer when he when they're um putting ashes on the beach and some guy's like hey you know what's litter right and like dude get out of here yeah it's... well you know yeah. it's funny they, they they knew who he was too that's the thing like apparently yeah. he's he's yeah. been a problem he's part of the he's community like yeah. um real quick so uh a movie that i don't think is gonna be on anybody's best list but well you reviewed a movie called shortcomings remember I did. Um, so what you're what you're talking about sounds a lot like that character in there, where someone whose destructive behavior is sort of the cause of a lot of their personal problems. Yeah, yeah. I think, but I, I definitely think Jeffrey Wright's Jeffrey Wright's character is at least watching the movie seems like he's a lot more. I mean, a lot more three-dimensional isn't the first, oh, yes. but yes. he feels like he's a lot more complex, a real person. Whereas in shortcomings, it feels like you can name the two words to describe the character. He's curmudgeon and he's lazy yeah mm-hmm. that's, that's Ray is a, he's a professor he's kind he's maybe pessimistic in some areas but he's op- optimistic in other ways he has a great relationship with his sister semi-estranged from his brother it feels like he has this whole very complex world and we're watching just pieces of it mm-hmm. which feel, I mean, it just feels it feels like a whole a whole story and i like i do i think that the parts of the cultural criticism especially when he's talking to um I can't remember her name, but uh, the Issa Rae. The Issa Rae, yeah. Yeah. I love the conversation they have when they're deciding what books should get attention, mm-hmm. which feels like, oh, this is... I thought that like the whole movie was going to be about that specific argument, which, I mean, it kind of is in bits and pieces, but I feel like I went in... I think I just went with the wrong expectation, so I was a little bit disappointed when it came out. The, uh, Suzanne, I, you mentioned you love it. I know you and I chatted. You actually wanted to read the book that was based Yeah, I, I've been of. reading the book. Uh, in my spare time, yeah, and it's really good so far. It's it's different from the movie because uh, I feel like the book is a little more serious than the movie. And the movie I thought was hilarious, mm-hmm. just like a straight comedy, um, you know, except for certain scenes. But um, the book goes a little more in depth. It's a little bit more, you know. Eh. But um, yeah, I love the movie. I um, I've like, read the. It, I consider it one of my favorites, actually, well, of the year. See, we we crossed hmm. one off our list. No. Um, I was going to say, it's a, I think it would be a good pairing, too, with uh, School Days by Spike Lee movie. It's probably one of my favorite Spike Lee movies. Um, I thought it had... I mean, it's not the same topic, but it's very uh, kind of tangential in a way and, and specific. 
You know, um, Ethan, you and I usually pair movies to talk about on the podcast, and I know you hadn't seen American Fiction when we paired our last ones, you know, Mm -hmm. um, The Holdovers and Nobody's Fool. But Mm -hmm. uh, when I was watching it, I remember speaking with Spike Lee. Has anybody seen Spike Lee's 2000, was it 2000 or 2001 movie Bamboozled with Mm. Damon Wayans? I've not seen Bamboozled, no. no. Um, That movie came out. It's like the blackface one? Kind of, yeah. That well, the book this is based off of by Percival Evan Everett that came out right around the time as Bamboozled. So there was something mm. in the public consciousness about exploiting black authors and for you know black tragedy porn. And the problem is, I some criticism of American fiction is that it doesn't go far enough. Um, I agree with all of you. I think it it does hit a, a good tone because if this was an angry movie, if this was a lecturing movie, this is not that movie. This movie, like like you said, uh, Susanna, this movie people are having conversations and they're allowed to have conversations like they're allowed to talk and think things through and no at no point does the movie ever needle drop like barbie and yeah. just and just give you a and just lecture you on something it's very smart um like i said you're completely right will about things it's the book version that you're reading susanna it's very serious it's more like a psychological evaluation it's not really played for laughs in fact it's kind of the opposite Mm-hmm. Um, so the movie version being kind of funny is an abrupt change, but I think for a movie, it's probably the way to go. I, I don't think anybody would want to watch a misery porn about and, a man's you know decline. <laughs> but and, um, and and believe it or not, man, like I think more people than people it would surprise people how many you know whether you're black or white or or, or Asian American or or Hispanic like most people don't. Uh, you know, relate to all the stereotypes that are people thrown on them, or, or even maybe any of the stereotypes that people have thrown on them. You know, like uh, I just think it's relatable across the board. Like everyone has when you when so many people uh, try to put us in boxes, and you know, when you don't fit in boxes, it kind of turns people off, and they're like, "I want to put you in a box." Like we need to categorize everything. We need to be able to say, "Okay, you're familiar because I know someone else like you." But reality is is most of us don't and so i i just love that this was very specific to mm-hmm. this uh, experience that jeffrey wright's character was having but it's also relatable to people who aren't just black and who aren't just going through what he's going through mm-hmm. i will say this as someone and i won't name names but as someone who does work closely with a lot of the publishers of major publications and either you and i've talked, chatted about this before um this is something that happens with writers and i wouldn't i've always talked to them about this where they feel that they, they're told to draw from their own experiences. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever. Um, your book is usually, or your, your content usually has to align with that identity. Um, yeah. Now, like, for example, um, Susanna, I don't want to get off topic, but, you know, you and I chatted about uh, Killers of a Flower Moon a while ago and how you were rooting mm-hmm. for Lily Gladstone, right? Yeah. And if you watch a lot of the PR around her, you'll notice that there is never a single piece of um, journalism about her that doesn't like religiously mention her, you know, native heritage and and this and that. Yeah. It's because they want you to know that she's authentic. And a lot of that is is marketing. You know that it's marketing. Mm -hmm. But but I'll say this to Will, Susanna, Ethan, anybody listening, is that if your story's good, like you will come across that prejudice. You will come across that inclination that you have to be who, you know, what your, your identity is or your identity is wrapped around who you are. Push past it. If your book's good, if your content's good, it'll, it'll break through, but just be prepared. Just be prepared. It's sad, but it's, it's the way the world works. So, Mm -hmm. but 
but yeah, good pick, good pick. I think everybody kind of, even Will, who, who you don't sound like you hate it. So <laughs> I just, I don't hate, it. I don't hate it. <laughs> so it's not on my bad list. Okay. Um, all right, Susanna, what do we got? Oh, good. Okay, so I, I want to talk about Killers of the Flower Moon. That oh, was my favorite oh, movie. Look at that. <laughs> of nice. the last year. Because um, I'm a big um, Martin Scorsese fan, so I was like, oh, I, I definitely have to watch this. Big fan of um, Leo DiCaprio, too. So I was like, I, I think I'm definitely going to like this. And I did. I loved it. I loved everything about it. It felt like an epic movie, like um, like Gone with the Wind type of thing. You know, a big, huge epic, because we don't really get those kind of movies anymore. And yeah. I miss that kind of movie, you know, that um, has something to say about history and stuff like that. And I thought this had so many layers to it you know like because on on the you know the first thing you see is that you know uh, a woman and her people are being murdered okay by uh white people that come in and you know As you want the, the oil and the land and all that you know and um i just thought oh this is interesting and it doesn't get talked about enough i don't think um i don't know about you guys but in school like this kind of gets you know brushed over they're like oh yeah they came and and you know they the native americans um you know they they shared and stuff like that you know um thanksgiving susanna thanksgiving (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so i um i really appreciated that martin scorsese decided to make a movie that showcased you know maybe white people are the bad guys really are the bad look what they did you know and um you do you you watch it and you feel terrible it's awful and um yeah and i thought it had great performances by everybody everybody's fantastic um i could not well the only person in the movie who i think was not fantastic which is um kind of weird because he just won an oscar but brendan fraser was not mm. amazing in that movie <laughs> oh, he, he he was in a different movie he was not yeah, in the same yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was in like yeah. a, a comedy courtroom movie his performance yeah it was, it was yeah weird no, um no, no surprises win last year was an aberration <laughs> yeah i think yeah other than that i thought everyone was great uh robert de niro uh, oh, the yeah. best he's been in a very long yes. time i thought um leo giving one of the best performances of his career and lily gladstone who i hope wins the oscar i hope um, she has competition with emma stone but yeah i hope she carrie, carrie mulligan was really good too in Maestro, I, I didn't watch. Yeah, Maestro. she was great. I mean, I love her. I love her too. But yeah, Lily Gladstone was good too. I um, mean, the movie was good. I mean, this is what three hours and forty minutes or something it's like very, that. Yes, and very long. It's, very it's long. long. And and I I never understand um, people who like complain about watching like a three plus hour movie, but then they're willing to like spend an entire Saturday binging like episodes of just one TV show. But uh, this uh, this I think was a great version of a three hour movie. I was not an Irishman fan. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was. Oh, me of, either. I, I thought didn't, it was like, way too dragged out, and there wasn't anything kind of stringing you along that was uh, worthwhile, I think, aside from the Pacino stuff. Um, but this was like, okay, I was so into um, the relationship with DiCaprio and Lily Gladstone's character and just, you know, trying mm-hmm. to figure out if, you know, what trying to gauge his actual love for her. And that ends up being what the movie's kind of... Um, you know that's the the surface of what the movie's about you know there's obviously the deeper stuff about the the white people yeah i think that was the real story like obviously yeah. it's about you know the white people coming in and wanting to screw over the native americans but i think the real story is you know 
did Leo love his wife or not? How was he different Is than he... the other white people who were doing yeah. this, right? Yeah, like, exactly. And that that's what was, it was like, okay. And Scorsese talked about it. He's like, um, he, he was actually, like, giving uh, surprising amounts of sympathy uh, towards DiCaprio's character and being like, if you think about what he was doing versus what everyone else is doing, it actually was, like, not even nearly as bad, He you know, or whatever. I mean, it was terrible. It was not good. But, you know what I'm saying? But, um, mm-hmm. uh, but he was, like, saying the point of the movie is to see how he really did uh, love her. And, and that courtroom scene at the end where it's just kind of on his face and the decisions that he's making and the decision that Scorsese's uh, directing him to do is is super authentic and like the, uh, a lesser director would have i think just fumbled, fumbled the whole it. thing yeah, yeah and, and it, it was so good uh just the 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 focus that he had for three hours and 40 minutes was incredible yeah and it didn't i wasn't bored at all i thought maybe yeah. it being long i would it would be like the irishman because that was his last movie and i thought maybe it's not going to be as engaging as i yeah. think but yeah. but it was i was never bored which was surprising and um yeah and, and then i i thought it was well made but then i think all scorsese's are uh, all his movies are kind of well made even if i don't love the movie you know yeah. um i thought it had excellent cinematography excellent um score by the late yeah. robbie robertson yes and it reminded me of a uh, of a um, c- casino in a lot of ways uh, just as in really? terms of it was deceptively sprawling uh, but whereas like irishman was sprawling and it felt too big Whereas, like, I love Casino because it kind of casts a large net into a small pond where, where this one did. Like, it was all within this community, and it didn't really – it went to D.C. once or twice or whatever really quickly. But everything was in, in this community, and, and it really felt like you were seeing every corner of it. Um, like, it Casino actually, does me, that, too. It felt really similar to Gangs of New York. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good comparison, too. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, Will, um, did, have you seen this one? Oh yeah, I think it was one of the one of the first movies from the year I, I saw last year, and I, I I'm <laughs> I also didn't love it, but I same same thing as Susanna said, where I definitely wasn't bored. I mean, I'm not I'm never been the biggest Scorsese fan. Something about the way he directs has never connected with me emotionally, but I was always interested and it was always I was always curious. I think even the three hour forty minutes, it didn't. It's funny. I, I felt I felt the length, but I never I never got tired of it. Is, mm-hmm. is the best way I can describe it. And even when there's, I mean, especially watching Leo's character through when mm-hmm. through when Lily Gladstone is going through that really painful time when he's 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 so sure it's it's just medicine. This is gonna make you better. That's a hard you know piece of the I, movie. I did wonder, Which, like, did he actually believe like what like his uncle was telling him or I like, think was he was he... mentally ill a little bit. Like, I think he, yeah, doesn't like, he was like, I think he was just, yeah, right. Delusional. He yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a little, I don't know. He seems like kind of, kind of a little bit of a dunce, but yeah, I think he yeah. just, especially for that he, whole movie, like when yeah. even his uncle is explaining the plan, he never says it blatantly. It's like, he's always telling Leo, Oh no, 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 this is, it'll, it'll help them. Don't yeah. worry. It's, it's actually for their own good. So he was like, Oh, okay. I'll do See, yeah. which I feel like if Leo was as bad as all of them, which, Again, he's still at fault because of what he's doing to these people. The fact that even he's having to be convinced, like it's a necessary <laughs> part of life, makes it feel like oh he's he's on the edge of being an ally for both sides, but he's just he has this blind loyalty to his own family. 
Yeah, which and, I, feel and, like, I feel like is maybe a weird, like a maybe a purposeful irony for the whole story. And I love that he's not the hero, but he he he's the protagonist, and but he connects the the hero with the villain like he is the link there and and it was kind of a yeah cool and dynamic. i also thought it was interesting that um leo doesn't usually play like um outright villain type characters usually he's mm-hmm. more the hero in his movies yeah. so this was interesting to see i thought i um you know it's funny if you read the book uh the book is not the same narrative it's done more like oh a, no like a mystery where Mm-hmm. You're seeing from the the outside in, and I think the switch from narrative to, to focusing on Leo's character was was brilliant, and for a couple reasons. Because I think, because spoilers, um, Scorsese himself shows up at the end of the film to to talk mm-hmm. about the denouement, like what happened afterwards in this. And I think uh, by putting it on Leo, I think what Susanna was talking about is it get it it does give probably the wider audience birth to experience. You know, from their own perspective, as opposed from the Osage perspective, um, you know, this is not white people versus Native Americans. This is a group of nasty white people versus you know taking advantage of Osage and you know Native Americans. And mm-hmm. you and you see, when she went to Washington, she pled for help from the government. They did respond. Like mm-hmm. after it did, it did take a while, but at the end, they did show up. They did help. And I, the movie didn't say this, but you know, they did change the. Did you know they changed the law after this? Where Osage, mm-hmm. um, what do they what they call it again? Main trusts, uh, basically, you know, their fortunes could yeah. not be transferred outside the tribe, like because of what happened, like literally congressional change, like changing. So there was there was you know there's it you Pre- know they put a prenup in yeah pretty much like prenup, yeah. like an eth- eth- an ethical an ethnical prenup. But um yeah. but but long story short though it's this is not a history lesson. This is a morality tale of of very mm-hmm. imperfect people and. But as far as the the movie aesthetics itself, uh, thank you, Susanna, for saying this because this movie made me remember that Robert De Niro is one of the best actors I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And, and he does something in this movie that you almost never see. Like when you watch films, you you're always told a character's smart. Oh, he speaks ten languages. You hear you hear how great they are, but mm-hmm. you never see it. Like De Niro is what eighty two years old, something. Yeah. He's yeah. Spe- he's speaking fluent Osage. He's talking. He's communicating. He's slimy. Mm-hmm. He's believable. Like he is. This is the same man who was in all that junk last year, all those horrible comedies. Yeah. And it's just it's remarkable. Like when he's with a good director, which is Scorsese, he's great. Yeah. And yeah. and it's just really sad to have seen him like you know dilute his legacy with all like you know the war with Grandpa. I'll just say yeah. that. There was one last year too. Um, I forget what it was. Yeah. The, oh my goodness, it's all bad. But um, yeah. and and also final thought. I think this is the best acting that Leo's done since Gilbert Grape. Like it's the same type of performance where he's playing someone challenged, and his face mm-hmm. changes. It's he's he's great. And Lily Gladstone's fantastic. And I I will have one comment about her though. She's so good in this movie. I noticed every other movie she has coming out is all about her playing someone on a reservation. And, yeah. and that's the problem I think happens yeah. is that you pigeonhole yourself by tying your identity with your performance. And I'm scared to death that this will be a one and done for her because mm-hmm. yeah, she's so specific. You know, they're not going to brown face up, you know, Carrie Mulligan for this. Maybe 50, <laughs> yeah. but 50 years ago, they would have, you know, that yeah. 50 years yeah. ago, this would be, you know, like a West Side Story. Natalie Wood. Yeah, yeah. Natalie Wood. And John Wayne would have played, you know, one of the chiefs. But 
that that's what's great. Like you have these amazing actors that are all great in this movie. Or like, what was the movie? Did it come out last year, or the year before? Prey, the Predator film. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah, you have this, yeah you have this stable of amazing native actors, and use them, but don't only use them for natives because that's that's just going back into prejudice again. That you're doing exactly what Hollywood did like 50 years ago. That's all you play. Yeah. And that's not cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and yes, uh, by the way, the late Robbie Robertson. A lot of people are dying on this podcast. Um, mm. um, his, I love the band. His, They're one of my favorites. His score on yeah. this is awesome. It is great. Mm-hmm. It is so good. I loved it. It was a, it was a little rock inspired, mm-hmm. which I, I really appreciate. Uh, is it nominated? Was it yeah. nominated? Is it? I okay. So. I hope I think so. it is. Isn't it? Well, I'll just say this. Um, as much as I love everything Scorsese has done with music, I'm really grateful the Rolling Stones were not on the soundtrack. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to hear Give Me Shelter on this movie. For the <laughs> so, 40th time, yeah. Yeah, I get it. We, you love the song, Marty. We, love, we get it. You love it. So, okay. Uh, great choice. I think everybody liked that one. So, Will, what do we got for you? Uh, also, the next one I'll t- I can talk about is uh, Henry Sugar, that short film by Wes Anderson last year. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, I saw uh, that. Yeah. Yep. One of many, by I, the way, right? Yeah, that was like four. They were all based on Roald Dahl novels. I think Henry Sugar was the longest one and probably the best one. I man, I just love this movie. <laughs> this It's funny. I was thinking about this movie since I've seen it. I got closer to the realization that it, it feels like the way he directs actors is like he's directing stop motion. It has that mm. same kind of like snappiness in their actions. But it's but they're they're full people, so they have to kind of almost like <laughs> stiffen themselves up. But it's still like the way he uses set design and narration, it feels so exciting. And it, I, I especially love Henry Sugarwood's. He's mm-hmm. the main character is reading a story that's about another guy. So it's this layers on top of layers thing. And he loved and you know, Wes Anderson loves doing movies about movies. So this feels a little bit like that, but also has this just like fun, quick little like like almost like moral question about like with almost like with great power comes great responsibility but it's when you have the ability to really change your life it you could see how I, I guess you get this kind of clarity about what you actually want to do with it what you want to do with your freedom once you get it and uh, I thought it was a great story really tight felt very full I loved seeing Dev Patel again I, I feel like I haven't oh, seen nice. him in a few years loved seeing him I also loved him in Poison which is one of the other shorts um, anyway great cast great set design great message I just I loved everything I loved everything about it did you see Asteroids you probably saw Asteroids City yeah I actually didn't <laughs> oh oh yeah. I was gonna ask cause I, I, I kept I kept a... hearing mixed Ooh. reviews on it from people I know yeah I was, I was gonna ask to... how does it compare I do not see the shorts. Um, I'm not a big Wes Anderson fan. Nathan probably knows no. this, but um, I, uh, hey, you know what? We're, we're not perfect. Okay? But but French Dispatch, I was like one of my least favorite movies of that year. I just couldn't, I couldn't yeah. take it. But um, <laughs> I, I actually really liked Asteroid City. I think it was my favorite movie I've seen from him, and I have not seen as many as most people because again, I'm not. That's not my cup of tea. But I liked Asteroid City. I thought it was cool. I love the desert milieu. It was just super cool set design. The colors were a little different than um, a lot of other stuff he's done. Just really kind of uh, mid-century in- inspired. Susanna, um, you actually reviewed Asteroid City and Henry Sugar. Yeah. Both of them yeah. for Popsara. Did you like Asteroid City, Susanna? I, I didn't love um, the story of Asteroid mm-hmm. City, but everything else about it I loved. I thought, you know, it was colorful, great set design, you know, great acting. But yeah. I didn't love the story. Henry Sugar I loved a lot more. 
just in general. I yes. thought it was, I don't want to say like perfect, but like I thought it was like a great Wes Anderson film. Nice. I got to see it. I will say this. Um, I agree with all of you guys. I loved Henry Sugar. I loved all the shorts, by the way. Um, I was so inspired by re-loving Wes Anderson that I actually went back and rewatched my favorite Wes Anderson film, which is The Royal Tenenbaums. And mm-hmm. I, I try not to watch that too much because I do love it so much. But um, there was another film that came out this year. It was a very good year for Roald Dahl content. But I know... Uh, kind of. Okay, this is a good this is a good year for, uh, for Roald Dahl content being produced. Yeah. And uh, I'll say this. I don't know if anybody agrees or not. I don't think it's going to make anybody's top list. If it does, okay. Um, but Wonka came out at the end of the year, which was... <laughs> which was billed as a prequel to the original Gene Wilder film. But I got to say something. Um, There is something about Wes Anderson's style that seems like it shouldn't fit with Roald Dahl's style, but it kind of does. And it works really well. And I I don't know if Netflix is going to continue the relationship, but it it does seem like maybe Roald Dahl is Wes Anderson's muse because it does, they do, they do just, they work very well together. Yeah, I think, they're both like whimsy, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can yeah, see it. Very dark yeah. whimsy. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps to have like actors who are in on the game. Like, like I don't know if did anybody. I don't know if it counts as a 2023 film or a 2024 when you saw it. But there was a film that came out, The Book of Clarence. Did anybody see this? Mm-hmm. No, I, I really. Yeah. I love. Um, was it James Samuel? Uh, his first movie was uh, The Harder They Fall. Yeah. Well, great. Oh, I love yeah. that movie, and I. I oh, I'm so excited it's to the watch same it. director. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm excited to see. It. I really it's... need to watch it then. I, I, if you guys I love want the heart of the If, if yeah, you guys so want, I, I do have a screener for you if you if you want it. Um, no spoilers, but Benedict Cumberbatch is in it as well. Cool. And I won't say who he plays, but when you see it, it's kind of perfect. But uh, no, you have these you have these really fun actors like De- like you said, Deb Patel and and Benedict, and of course, um, Gandhi himself. You know, it's it's fantastic. It's it's a lot of fun. Nice. So, okay, good pick. Uh, by the way, you could watch Henry Sugar seven times in the time it takes you to watch Killers of a Flower Moon. It, and some people have. You can watch it seven times and enjoy it seven times in a row. Maybe eight, if, you're, if you can squeeze it in there. <laughs> Is so. that Netflix? Uh, yeah. yeah. That's right. I think that's why I didn't watch it. I, uh, I was a victim of, uh, net, of uh, password sharing crackdown, so. Because well, you're a moocher. <laughs> so yeah, I gotta. I actually have to buy Netflix, I guess. Okay, buy it? You, you know you don't buy it, right? I mean, I mean, you know subscribe. what I'm saying. Subscribe. You don't own anything anymore. Oh, you don't own it? Oh no, wait, everything's what? subscription. You don't even own Windows. Wait, I thought so. you buy it and they just download all the look, content onto your I'll, computer. I'll explain it. To you. I'll fax. Uh, look, okay, I'll, send okay. you, I'll send you a fax in the mail. Okay, I'll, t- I'll give you my pager number later. So okay. Um, Next movie on my list, we already talked about American Fiction. I uh, really liked it. So let me skip over to another one. So I don't know how many people saw this. Ethan, I think you and I chatted. I think you did see this yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next film is Monster, which I believe is nominated for Best Japanese Foreign Picture, which makes me uncomfortable a little bit because, as we'll talk about later, uh, has anybody here seen Monster? Nope. Yeah, I just watched it like. Oh, you did? Uh, oh, two weeks cool. Ago. Um, I kind of mentioned the director's name before. Uh, Hirokazu Koreda is one of my favorite modern directors. He's very Japanese, although he has, I think he's made one American film, but he decided it wasn't for him, and so he went back. Um, long story short, if if you're familiar with the work of Hayao Miyazaki from Studio Ghibli, then you understand what I'm going to say, is that there's a certain 
feeling one gets from watching a certain type of film, a sort of slice of life. And I think Corrida is the master of that in modern films. And he's never really broken into the United States the way I think something like Drive My Car did or any of his films, but mm. or even um, you know the Korean film Parasite. But he should. At some point, he should. It's probably not going to happen, but whatever. So Monster, without spoiling anything, is a film that tells one story from multiple pers- perspectives, sort of like Kurosawa's um, Rashomon. Um, but Ethan, I think you, you kind of convinced me on something the other day. It's not quite the same story. It's different angles of the same story. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? So like, we're not just following one perspective. We're following the same tale from different narratives to come to a conclusion that was there at the very beginning. But, but I think the content may turn some people off. Um, I have to be very careful. You know what I mean? I, I can't say yeah. everything because it will spoil things. Um, so let me say, so Will, what do you think? <laughs> you said you saw it. I did. I I think, I mean, it's funny because you, you can kind of talk about the movie in three different stages, the, mm-hmm. the perspectives. I don't, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but I'll say... I'll beep uh, you out if you if you spoil. I'll go beep. So I'm just all kidding. Right, perfect. Um, but the first section where it's from the mother's perspective, I think mm-hmm. I like the best. Yes. Because I I just I love the gradual build up where we're with we're with her perspective of not knowing what's going on. Yes. And it's and we're feeling her frustration as she's trying to deal with the school system, especially her frustration when her son isn't giving her answers that she desperately wants. And, and you're angry with her too. You're like, yo, you're like, just well, yeah. just say can, it, man. Yeah. Can we, can we just say that? it sets itself up so you don't know what genre this could be like yeah yes is this a I horror film know. is this a supernatural film is this what is what's going on um because yeah. it, the way it's paced and the way it's plotted out it's very unnerving yeah and i i definitely noticed that where i didn't know am i supposed to, am i supposed to feel just like irritated that it's, there's just hitting like a roadblock or is it supposed to be an indication of something much worse that's about to happen um and then I like getting the answers from the teacher's perspective. But even then, it's kind of weird because going from the teacher's perspective, now that you know how the mother feels, it's, at least for me watching it, it was a little bit harder to relate to the teacher because I'm like, how can, I don't know. But but it doesn't, but stop, think, the, it doesn't stop there, though. It keeps, it it keeps, there. It keeps giving more perspectives. And I think, I think the, I, the movie would have made my list if it was like, 30 minutes shorter i think the last perspective we get for me just felt a little too long and a little bit repetitive because we see these scenes of the two care of the kids and what their relationship is what the dynamic is over a long period of time and i think for me it got a little bit redundant where at some point i just maybe like halfway through i felt well i know i know their story now i know who the kids are and it feels like i want to just get to moving on from there and what else is the movie trying to tell me so i think Overall, I, great. I've never seen his films before, any of them. Oh yeah, it's but. they're they're very they're more they're very much geared on family life, but on selective yeah. on selections of family life. They, yeah, um, yeah. Like I said, I, I I know other people call them slice of life. I I don't know. I I guess I don't know a, a better way to describe it than just this. I think it's it's pretty apt. I mean, it, it definitely felt like this isn't like a, supposed to be anything more than these specific people. Because I, I, which I also like to, a point for it is that it gives you very spe- little details to tell you that these aren't just like any. I mean, it's funny they are just ordinary people, but they're very specific ordinary people that you would know by name. If you were their neighbor, you would be able to pick them out. If if that kind of makes sense, oh, like they're not just like an every person. I have to make a correction. <laughs> um, this movie was not nominated for best foreign from picture from Japan. Uh, that movie was actually Perfect Days, which is mm-hmm. actually directed by Wim Wenders. 
Oh yeah, that's right. I, I saw that and I was yeah. like, why is Wim Wenders nominated for yeah. us? I guess strange. I guess I should. I, I guess I don't feel bad now. I can say this: um, <laughs> the Japanese, you missed a giant opportunity. The movie you should have put up as the best foreign film from Japan should have been Godzilla minus one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm not even joking. Like I will. It was a, yeah, one of the best. Uh, re- I didn't see it, but it's one of the best reviewed movies of the year. Oh, we'll, we'll, it was great. We'll, we're going to be talking about it later. <laughs> so. um, and Ra- and Ryosuke Hamaguchi came out with a movie this year too. I didn't see it, but. Um... Yep. Did drive my so, car. so let's uh, let's mm-hmm. give it to the white guy directing a Japanese movie in Japan. Actually, he's a good director. Too. He's let's he's good. Give it to the white guy. <laughs> he's done documentaries about Japan too. Like he's no. I mean, yeah. I mean, Wim Wenders is like an icon, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. If, I haven't. I didn't even know he was alive. Still, honestly, <laughs> he's alive making movies. Did anybody see Perfect Days? No. Nope. Yeah, I, I haven't. I, I do want to see it though. I've seen his documentaries about Japan. They're wonderful. Hmm. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so. Monster. It's a good movie. You may not love it, but it's. I would say it's the best multi-angled narrative since Rashomon. There's a huge genre, by the way. There's tons of really good movies in that genre, but I like this. So, okay, round robin. So let's go. So, Ethan, what is your thing? Uh, so the, the next one I got uh, is going to be a controversial pick, I think. Mm. Uh, oh, but no. uh, it's in more ways than one. Uh, but it was a movie I think a lot of people saw i'm you know me i'm a sucker for uh, um the populist choice oh, sometimes oh and, uh, uh, let me warn them let me warn them ethan yeah. picks some interesting stuff it's like he, he blends like the oscars with people's choice in nickelodeon awards uh, yeah <laughs> so. and then like obscure stuff that no one's seen um yes. so uh this movie my number eight uh, i went i went in order of top 10 but uh, my number eight is the flash Okay. Uh, starring Ezra Miller, uh, you know I'm I'm a big superhero uh, movie jo- uh, fan. Don't love them all. I'm not just like, well, oh, these are all great because they're because they're superheroes. But uh, I'm just a sucker for time travel movies also. And this uh, Ezra Miller carries the film really well uh, with comedy, with heart. Uh, he successfully convinces us that he's two different versions of the same character. You know, me, uh, mediocre special effects aside, because there's some weird stuff in there. This is a fun movie with a cool mystery, good surprises, uh, and one of honestly one of the best straightforward comic book movies I've I've seen ever. And I mean that doesn't include like origin stories and and stuff like that, but just straight up, you know, a, a superhero, a bad guy, and trying to figure out what the connection is and how he's going to defeat the the villain. Um, I saw this was really good, and the director uses some really cool uh creative cinematic language to explain really abstract concepts but yeah i don't know if you, I'm, i don't know if any of you saw this but um, I, I saw it i, saw I it. actually liked it too yeah 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 all right so i know it got a lot of hate but like it did. i liked I it. it like me i don't too. know it just <laughs> me well, too. I it liked was it. good well yeah. you know what's funny i think it's because there's blowback against the star yeah. Uh, there's yeah. blowback against comic book movies, and of course, um, we like uh, Hollywood. The critics they love to pile on it on a financial disaster, and I think yeah. it, it was a. No one actually talked about the movie itself. They just, you know, chewed it up into bits. Yeah. I'm excited about DC where it's going. Uh, Marvel's got you know Marvel has some good stuff, some bad stuff. Uh, I think we'll Marvel's get there. going going down. Yeah, but DC's got James Gunn now, and I'm just excited about the potential. Well, the director, the Flash director, is in charge of the Batman franchise. Did you know it going yeah, forward? So that's he's, right. Yeah, um, yeah. The uh, the it guy. What's his name? Yeah, Andy. Andy something. Some very Italian name. Yeah. So, yeah. You, Andy you, Milanakis. 
Uh, thank you, Ethan. I thought you were going to say good burger too. <laughs> like I really did. I swear uh, to God, I thought you were going to say good I, burger I too. Ate, I ate at the Good Burger filming location restaurant yesterday. Really? The second the second one of the first movie? Oh, I don't know if they filmed the second one there, but the first movie. I love the first movie. Uh, Will, have, did you see The Flash at all? I, didn't, I haven't seen a superhero movie no. or like any superhero stuff since uh, The Batman with the Robert Pattinson. Ooh, that's a good one. They, that was a great... I loved it. Uh, <laughs> that's also, really good. That was my number one, I think, that year. I'll say this. Um, I actually thought some of the special effects were... Well, okay... Some of them were truly terrible, but I yeah. did I did not have any problems with the one that people singled out, which was the baby yeah. scene, the babies, yeah, which I thought was very funny. I thought it was creative. that was awesome. Yeah, it was so good. It was a lot of fun, and but the the whole let's just say this. Can we just say this? Um, even if there wasn't another Spider-Man film that came out last year that did the multiverse perfectly, then I think the way the Flash handled the multiverse scene was icky and disrespectful. I could have I could have done without that. But, um, like the Christopher Reeves stuff. Yeah, it didn't need to be there. Yeah, a lot like, of people. That it bumped a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, it, did, it just because this is a Flash movie, and the movie so desperately wanted to be a Batman movie. And, yeah. Like, and by the way, can we? No one mentioned Michael Keaton. Is yeah. The oh, Bat- it was so was great seeing him yeah. again. And uh, some other surprises in there too. Yeah. But it, this is a good time travel movie though too, and it's a, it just happens to be a superhero movie. But it's I thought it was a really good time travel movie personally. You know, uh, you know that that George Clooney, he's going places. So can't, can't wait to see yeah. him. But uh, but no, it's – no, uh, actually, uh, Chris Mitchell, our podcast producer, he loved this movie too. So see, oh, good. not controversial. You're on- Chris and I got some similar tastes, I think, in, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, you're not snobs. So <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of The Flash, like I said, good choice. Uh, so Susanna uh, – actually, yes, Susanna. So what do we got? Um, okay, so Anatomy of the Fall. Oh, there we I, go. I just saw it like a couple of days ago. Um, I was late on seeing it because I feel like everybody's seen everything already that, you know, like Oscar movies and all that. <laughs> and um, so I was dying to see Anatomy of Fall. Finally saw it and I loved it. I wasn't, I actually didn't know anything about it going in. So completely blind. And um, it was actually amazing. I, you think it's about a mystery Um, how, well, the movie is about her husband dies from falling and um, you so at first you think oh so the movie's going to be about you know how did he die um, did and you think the wife killed him um, everyone thinks the wife killed him and that's um, there's a whole lengthy like trial about that and all that um, but actually the film never actually comes to a you know a conclusion you never find out how he died or anything mm-hmm. and um, so the film is more about the relationship between the wife and the husband and the son uh, and perspectives. It's not about finding out how he died. It's just finding out, you know, maybe she could have killed him, but probably not. But it's more about the relationship between a husband and a wife and, you know, all the little things about it that don't, like, from the outside, they probably look like one thing, but Mm -hmm. actually it's something else. The complexities of a marriage that of a re- any relationship really, um, yeah. you know, uh, I, I once had an argument with one of my best friends, and and he 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 said some I like assumed something that he was saying. He's like, oh, the, an assumption uh, would that wouldn't hold up in court. And I was like, dude, this isn't court. We're we're best friends. Like this is a relationship. Yeah. Like this is deeper than you know the niceties of a of a courtroom. Which by the way, in in was this France or where was France. this Ger- France? Yeah, France? Oh my gosh, it was like he was like. Re- 
<laughs> the the bald dude in the court. I don't know what his title was, but he was just. Oh obnoxious. God, he was he was very. Oh my goodness. I would have folded under him very quickly. I was like, yeah, He's I was scary. like, I, don't, I was like, I don't know who the who the who really killed the husband or what his situation, but this guy needs to just get slapped. Um, but yeah, he was he was obnoxious. But yeah, I was. He was reading her novels and trying to like uh, yeah. criminalize her based off that. Yeah. I was like, you can't do there that. There were so many little things about her that were damning, that could have been damning. Yeah. But I feel like it had an explanation, you know, even if it was weird, you know, but because mm. I don't think she killed him. I think. Yeah, that I think he, he did yeah. fall. Like, I think maybe yeah. he killed himself. It seems I think likely. So too. But uh, yeah. I, I thought but it was going to be. No one else saw it? I haven't no seen it yet. Oh, okay. You've all seen it except for me? This is okay. Let's pause the podcast, and I will go watch. It. No, uh, all right, we're back. How'd you and, like it? And man? we're back. Amazing. No, I, 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 I told you, I'm jealous. You guys have seen things I haven't seen yet. It's crazy, but I've heard, I've heard nothing but good things. Also nominated for best picture of the year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Best director too. Uh, female director too, which you don't. Let's be honest, you don't see that a lot. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm happy for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Yep. Good not, place. not Barbie though. No. <laughs> this is this is a little better. <laughs> so, okay, uh, okay. Like everybody seems to love Anatomy of the Fall, though. I mean, I've, no, I've yeah, heard nothing bad about yeah. it. So, French film though. Is subtitles or dubbed? Um, um, there, there subtitled. Are, there's not. A, it's it's uh, English and French and some French. German, I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which was interesting. Yeah. Okay, so Will, so moving forward, so Will, what do we got next on the list? Uh, for me, so Anatomy of the Fall was also on mm-hmm. my list. Nice. I think I've already kind of talked about it. Um, loved it. My, my, I think the big scene, I think everyone loved it, was that scene when she's, they're playing that phone call of her and her husband. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a great scene. And I thought, I, I was, of course, for the whole movie, I thought we were just going to be on her side, but there's... Mm-hmm. I, I mean, what I especially love about this movie is that the anatomy of even the title speaks to it's not just his death, but it's almost it's trying to question who's actually at fault in you know the state of the relationship at the point of his death. It was and it was you... actually really similar to what it kind of takes its title from, Anatomy of a Murder, the old movie. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. yeah. It was kind of similar in the same way that the outcome of you know what happened is not really as important as is what you learn about the relationship both. and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. You feel the pain. You feel the pain of all, of everyone. I think involved at some point or another, especially the husband who died. Like you, feel, I mean, you know, yeah. even though he he, he might have been a dick or whatever, but like, yeah, you feel that he was just this guy who couldn't, um, you know, he was afraid of maybe failure, but maybe afraid of success, yeah. which a lot of people are are too. So, mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, especially just a side note, as I think even like some recent movies where I've seen child actors, they're usually pretty good, but it's it feels like they're child actors. Yeah. And the kid in this mm-hmm. movie was, I mean, you guys saw the movie. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to oh, swear. And the phenomenal. dog. And the dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. But the kid reminded was kind of amazing. Which one? The dog. With the dog when oh, yeah. they're trying to. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. The, really good. Yeah. I thought I thought the kid reminded me of Peter Ostrom, who played Charlie in the Willy Wonka, in the '71 Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. He kind of reminded his he had a oh, yeah. similar like facial structure a little bit. Um, but yeah, amazing. I especially love that little. I mean, I don't know what it is that uh, throughout the movie, the only music I think <laughs> yeah was from him playing piano. <laughs> P I no yeah, the P I M P. 
yeah. the 50, 50 cent song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which that threw me off like crazy in the beginning. Yeah. I was like, what? And then it kept playing and playing throughout yeah. the entire movie. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. It became like, another great thing of like, you yeah. feel how fr- you that song is going and going. And you feel how frustrated she gets in that opening. Yeah. Great opening scene to immediately establish the tone of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I want to I want to uh, add a new wrinkle to this. Um, if we talk about a film that's nominated for Best Picture, I want to I'm going to throw a question at you guys before we move on. If Anatomy of the Fall does win the Best Picture Oscar, would you be upset about that? Um. Yes. I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I, think, I think a little bit. Yeah. I thought it was good, but okay. like. I, I yeah, don't there's expect a, there's it two to or th- win. Yeah, there's, there's at least three more that are better, I think. Well, like, know, objectively better. You know how the, the, the film the, the film nerds always get upset over Forrest Gump triumphing over, you know, yeah. uh, Pulp Fiction? But, okay. That was really funny. But but Forrest Gump did something that, like, pe- that was very kind of innovative, too. Like, if, it, like if, for me, even if I don't like something, if it's innovative enough, I'm like, okay, like, I see why that, that got the nod. But, like, Anatomy of a Fall was you know, creative and way mm-hmm. it did a lot of stuff, but it, it borrowed a lot. Uh, it didn't. It wasn't Pulp Fiction or or, or Forrest Gump. Like well, both of those. That was a, that's a hard one one and one right there. Those are two of the most like iconic movies ever. I'll say this though, um, just listening to you three talk about the film, like on its merits, is is fascinating because so rarely do you get to talk about a film on its on its storytelling sometimes it's usually everything else like i don't think you're, we're going to have quite that conversation when we talk about some of these other films that were not only for best picture um yeah okay okay all right um did you have a different film will now that we talked about that oh well i can talk about um well, wait, we've already men- we've already mentioned john wick mm-hmm. cross it off uh, nice. we've already- <laughs> um well, we actually we haven't talked really about godzilla yet Oh, there we go. So Godzilla, I saw it on your request, Nathan. Yes. And I've I've never actually, I I saw those like the few Godzilla movies that came out. Uh, what was it, like ten, maybe ten years ago? Mm-hmm. Like the the newer ones, like the God yeah, of yeah, Monsters yeah, and ones. Godzilla yeah. vs. Kong. Well, we have to. We should say oh. there are Japanese King uh, Godzilla films and the yeah. Toho, and there are American <laughs> Godzilla films. Is the American Godzilla the ones before like the King Kong crossover stuff? Oh yeah. The, yeah, yeah. It's very in Japan. They give them. They call them. They define Godzilla by eras, like, like Showa era. You know, Heisei, mm-hmm. Heisei era, whatever. Yeah. Um, this is different. Yes, yeah, so this those, is those yeah. like very those very modern American movies were the only ones I saw. And then I saw, and I, like of course I knew the soundtrack because it's been in mm-hmm. kind of like floating around the zeitgeist for a while. But I saw it on your recommendation and loved it. And mm-hmm. you were you said something that I felt during the movie, which is. It really does. It feels like a very scary monster movie, which usually yes. monster like destroying a city. It feels more. It's not scary in the same way like a horror movie is scary. It's more. I don't know, like a little bit visceral, tam- more tamer. Yeah, this felt very. There's something in the dark out to get you, and even when it's daytime and when they're on the boat, my favorite scene in the movie is when they're on that boat getting chased by him, mm-hmm. and it's he's so close, and the effects looked so good in my mind i think they're better than the dragons and game of thrones but on that same level of quality where i can still tell it's fake but barely and it has great personality incredible music um yeah it was very very fun it was like huge great like disaster movie i was gonna say it does mix a modern sort of electronica score with um the classic the actual themes from the original 1954 gojira movie and it it's yeah. So b- before I say anything else about it, did anybody else see Godzilla minus one? I did no, not. I haven't seen it yet. 
I'm okay. dying to see it. So. <laughs> I do want to see it. Well. Yeah. Well, here we go. The, I, I, you you got me. Um, Godzilla minus one was my favorite movie of 2023, and wow. I I went back and forth with this and a few others. Right, I went back and forth, but at the end of the day, um, and and I I made a joke about Monster and about Perfect Lives a minute ago. At the end of the day, Japan should have nominated Godzilla minus one for best foreign picture, and I'll tell you why. Um, this movie. Uh, first of all, which was made for a budget of, what, $15 million that was only supposed to be in theaters one week, um, did so well. It is now, I think, the second highest grossing foreign movie of all time outside of Japan, um, is the highest grossing Godzilla film. It is the only Godzilla film nominated for an Oscar, Best Visual Effects. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody loves it. Every, like Even Disney is courting the director, um, Takashi Yamazaki. He's, he went over to... Nice. Uh, please don't join Star Wars, please, but he will. Um, everything, everything, I, Suzanne, I think I was chatting with you about this. When they were nominated mm-hmm. for best, um, when they nominated for the Oscar, they, they did an adorable video of little Godzilla yeah. watching the TV. Um, the goodwill for this movie is so through the roof. This is, this is the type of film that you're not supposed to like. This is a monster film. This is like the 5,000th entry in a franchise that's 70 years old. Um, that has gone up and down every which way from stupid to ludicrous to moronic to amazing to to schlock and that it's it's kind of hard to explain but it reinvents not just kaiju monster movies but it reinvents i think our expectations for what genre can be but it's just a hell of a good movie just i mean other than that it's just entertaining it's old-fashioned I, like well you saw it you knew what was going to happen. You knew when the friend was going to come back. You knew that they were going to save the day. You knew all this stuff. Patriotism, rah, rah, rah. But did you care? No. Well, it feels like you're happy. You're really happy when it happened. Yeah. And Godzilla is terrifying. He is not fun. Like, you know what's funny? I watched the trailer for the new Godzilla movie right after this. Like, right after. Like, I came home and I saw it. It was uh, Godzilla. What's the one? It's Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, it's the coming. last one? No, it, oh, it's the next one. The next, next one. one, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's coming out next month. What's it called? Yeah. Um, give me. The New Empire. And yeah. they literally showed the rock music, and they showed Godzilla and King Kong running away from a big laser blast with a, <laughs> a, an evil Kong with a Thanos. It's, I like that, too. That's Godzilla. Yeah. Multitudes, like Walt Whitman said. You could be many now, things. So Is it called Minus One because it's like a, a prequel? or No. it's um, Okay. I, I haven't heard a proper explanation for it myself but essentially the long story short is a short and not to override you um well but the story basically is it's we follow a kamikaze pilot who who basically gets scared uh, the war is lost he knows it and he gets scared and he pretends his you know his ship is uh his plane is malfunctioning lands on an island doesn't ever come up you know it doesn't ever you know bring himself up to attack godzilla when he can as a baby um comes home survives and gets blamed for losing the war. The idea is survivor's guilt, and he's able to build that life off survivor's guilt. And it's about how Japan, which has just you know been destroyed by World War II, now has to face Godzilla. And how and basically, what is a person's life in value to their country, and what is it in value to themselves? And I think um, this film is like so intrinsically Japanese, but but because of that, it's relatable. Like Monster, I don't think is very relatable. I don't think a lot of foreign films are relatable. Mm-hmm. But I think. By using Godzilla, which which sounds weird to me to say, it sounds so weird. You know, don't we all have a little Godzilla inside of us? But yeah. but just think about this though. Think about this in my final thoughts. Um, 
Godzilla's been on forever. It's literally a catchphrase. It's as pop, you know, it's, it's as iconic as King Kong and you know whatever Dracula. But yet here we are in 2023, and people think this is a great film. Like that's that's the power I, I think of finding a good director and good te- good cast and good effects and good sound and good everything. You know, you know. Whereas the Flash is what a 400 million, 300 million dollar movie yeah. that people felt, you know, they felt they could poop all over it. Like this is not one of those films. This came under the radar. People were allowed yeah, to find it. Yeah, you can't criticize something that's yeah, so, yeah, earnest. So there you go. So Godzilla minus one. My favorite, my favorite film, unapologetically of 2023, and one of now, Will, one of Will's favorites. Now, would you say would it? So I know you you obviously think it's the best, or if if not um, one of the best movies of last year. But yeah. would it have been out of pocket if it were nominated for best picture? You know, oh, I, considering I, what else is nominated, and I what else is... absolutely think it should have been nominated for best picture. Okay. And, I'll t- and I'll tell you why. I'll just say it. Metrics. Um, first of all, it made money. Um, a lot of the films nominated for best picture didn't make any money. In fact, nobody saw them. How many? Mm-hmm. You look at the some of these films. Like, no, yeah, all, it's. I'm, this is a weird year for Best Picture. I'm Barbie and Oppenheimer were like yeah. the biggest movies yeah. and everything else. Everything else, nope. there's a weird drop-off. Yeah. yeah. Well, think about this. Um, Maestro maybe would be another one, but... I think the only other movie nope, that really made money... No, it went straight to Netflix. Didn't make yeah. anything. Yeah, it didn't make No, anything. but I'm saying just like people saw it because it's on Netflix. Is I don't saying. know if they saw it. I, di- I didn't see any metrics that anybody watched it. You know, because well, no one yeah. knows who Leonard Bernstein well, is anymore. Well, Killer, <laughs> well, Killers of the Flower Moon actually made a lot of money, but its budget was That's so high. That's true. But that's, again, but that's Martin Scorsese and, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. But, look, American Fiction, uh, Anatomy of the Fall, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, Zone of Interest. Nobody's seen Zone of Interest. Like, these movies aren't available. No. Yeah, I don't even know if it's playing by me at all. But go to Rotten Tomatoes. Godzilla Minus One is one of the highest rated movies of the year. It is the only Mm -hmm. Godzilla movie nominated for an Oscar. Why can't it be nominated for Best Picture? And I mean that, too. Like I get it, it doesn't it doesn't tick those boxes, but I guarantee you, people like this movie more than they like Maestro. They like it more than they like Anatomy of the Fall. Yeah, and that's not a competition. Well, I guess it is a competition, but this is a movie that people saw with no expectations, and it upended everything. And and I'll say this: if you actually read some of the reviews, they love using this term that I think speaks more to them than the film. I did like. There's no reason this movie should be so good. There's no. This movie has no right to be this. Well, why not? Why not? You know, why can't it be good? Why can't you love Godzilla? Godzilla is good. You think that's a masterpiece? So why can't Godzilla minus one be good? You know, just look. Just because this series got real stupid doesn't mean, <laughs> doesn't mean Godzilla one's not great. Um, but I don't want to oversell it. I I loved it. It it was exactly what I wanted. And so for me, it was my favorite movie. Is it the best movie of 2023? Maybe, maybe not. But for me, it was my favorite film. And, and I, yeah. I, I feel really happy to say that. So I love nice. that. Godzilla, Oscar, not, maybe Oscar winning. Yeah, it could That'd win. That'd be cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. Oscar winning Godzilla minus one. Think about that. So, okay. So let's see here. Who's next on the list? Oh, I think you're next. Oh, well, that's ironic. So, I'll tell you what. Let's skip me um, because I we I just ranted about Will's film. Sorry, Will. So no worries. So okay. So let's go back to Ethan, and we let's let's go ahead and boogie it up a little, so I know we're running against the clock. So okay, Ethan. So what is your next? Yeah, my next one's another one that a lot of people saw. It's called Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Oh, that was also going to be one of my films. Oh nice. heck yeah. yeah. Um, you know, not my favorite indie movie per se. Uh, Temple yeah. of Doom is my favorite, but this might be this might be number two. Honestly, um, 
it, it's I think it might be the best Indiana Jones installment when looking at it from what Indiana Jones is and like what he's always kind of morphed into in our public consciousness which is like this adventurer who's like a treasure hunter and really a big history buff and you know the the romanticism we've put to his name um the narrative was really fluid uh the storyboard was great it it nails the desired tone that i think uh honestly a lot of if not uh all of the indiana jones movies except temple of doom have struggled with maintaining um for two hours um yeah, and the director, James Mangold, he's proven himself with other stuff, but um, he really delivers like a good pastiche here of past cinema while also making it really accessible to modern audiences. And he kind of puts a little classic Hollywood touches here and there. Um, and he, and it, he doesn't try to um, contextualize the wartime themes for a modern audience and kind of more presents it as a candid like a, a a fact of the past versus like you know trying to put his commentary on it he, he more so just says like uh you know war is an, an inevitability that's always going to happen because as humans we repeat ourselves and we repeat our mistakes and that's basically all he says he doesn't try to make it like um relevant to modern society per se um and there's just a really good ending that reminded me of the ending of the last crusade or the climax of the last crusade that uh in a way that i can't even describe without just ruining yeah. the whole movie so Susanna, you said you're obviously yeah, excited I, I also liked it a lot um i felt like it was the first time in a long time that harrison ford has actually given a damn about yeah. being in a movie yeah. Which is uh, not it. a slight against him or anything. Cause, you know, he's, he's old. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, afraid, but, but he's old, yeah. I think there's very few characters that he he gets excited about anymore. It's like mm. Indiana Jones, maybe Han Solo, you know. Yeah. And um, I don't know, it just felt good seeing him care and putting heart into the film again. Yeah, does the does film. the does the movie have flaws? Definitely. But, yeah. Um, but, it, but it's... It doesn't even matter you know it's one of the it's it's a very ironic it like an 80s movie or like even like an early 90s movie it just reminded me of of something that where its flaws didn't matter because it's just so entertaining and it was just so cool to yeah. see what's how they're gonna solve this ridiculous problem uh i loved it i really did yeah and i also um i liked even though i guess looking back on it maybe he wasn't the strongest villain but moss mckelson's um <laughs> character i don't yeah. know i just i like seeing him period like in anything i, I watch all of his most of his movies but like yeah, he's great. um yeah it was nice seeing him in this movie as the villain yeah and he's one yeah. of the he's and i one like of, the, the i like the time travel aspect of it as well yep i yep. Uh, yeah, I, I always like time travel so oh it's so good i'm just glad yeah. that matt is finally having a chance to play a villain because he never has a chance to play a villain in a film. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, that's why he was so good in uh, in uh, what was the one where he he would like drink. All oh the yeah, time. The, yeah uh, that one. Like another round. Another round. Yeah. yeah. Like that's why it was, that was so fun because it's like you get to see him as like a regular person. It was so he was so good in that movie too. Because you think, oh, is he just like always just the villain guy? But no, he's like really good For at real. just. He has good another movie he's really good in is um a royal affair. Oh, I haven't seen Has that. Anyone seen that? No. Oh, he's really good in that. It's like um, him and Alicia Vikander, Danish film. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was really no, good in that. And the and the hunt. And the hunt. And yeah, the hunt. The yeah. hunt. Definitely. Well, he's he's great in everything. Can we just say that he's always he's yes. always a good he's always a delight to see. But uh, would yeah. you say Susanna and Ethan and Will that 
this movie got criticism because of Harrison Ford being too old. They say it's not relevant. And the box office wasn't where I think anybody wanted it to be. But that yeah. being said, that being said, though, when you actually listen to people talk about it, they don't have the same scorn for this that they did for something like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Or, or even yeah. loved it. Love that movie too. By well, the way, I, I like it too. Oh, I just, I like the whole franchise. Well, yeah. that's the thing, though. If you you mentioned uh, James Mangold like struck the right tone, would you say he did a more effective job than the new Star Wars films have done in bringing that franchise into the modern age? Um, the films, yeah. I think some of the yeah. shows, the shows are hit or miss. I, I like, you know, Andor and Mandalorian are really good, but um, uh, but yeah, as far as the movies, I think. Well, I, I also like The Last Jedi, but um, Ryan Johnson killed it, I think. But I know we have differing opinions on that. But yeah, no, no, I mean, no, yeah. no, no, we don't have different opinions. You're wrong, and I'm okay. right. So. <laughs> <laughs> but That's yeah, just... but but it, as a whole, yeah, I think he, I think he just na- he nails what Indiana Jones has never been able to nail. I think is why I liked it so much. Like as as good as Indiana Jones movies have always been, like I think there's just always. There's always had they've always had some sort of um, like the the mythos has kind of trend uh, overshadowed what they've actually been able to accomplish when you're just sitting down and watching it for two hours. Like I think we 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 reminisce about it and they're all good and they're all entertaining and I love Indiana Jones. But mm-hmm. but when you're sitting down and watching it, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, I always say like is Raider of the Lost Ark really that good or does it have a really good opening sequence and then it's kind of just him like just not being not affecting the villain in any sort of way and then the villain getting the the arc at the end anyway like is he really important to that movie the character as a character and it just in terms of yeah i felt like maybe this one was really like uh like a it was more about indiana himself and less about the story like you know what happens to him as an archaeologist you know Mm -hmm. that does stuff um it was more about him yeah. Like especially with what happened with him and Marion's son and all that kind of stuff. It was very, it, you know, it felt more personal than usual. Um, yeah. I was going to say something. The other something. ones don't feel like that. So yeah, I, I, thought, I thought you were going to hate this film because of what they did to um, Mutt, <laughs> Ethan. Shia LaBeouf? No, yeah. no. I His mean, favorite, you know, Shia LaBeouf, is, I think, is Ethan's favorite, favorite actor. Yeah. Is um, he is. But, uh, yeah, I, I, you know... I knew that was going to happen. It's expected. It's Spielberg and that he hates Shia LaBeouf. But, uh, you know, I love the movie, though. Um, can't, can't hate the movie. I liked it, too. Um, our, I, I'm obligated to say, again, our podcast producer, Chris, really liked it, too. Um, yeah. I will say this, though. Um, I am one of those people that feel the best the franchise has ever been. Uh, like a lot of people, I grew up thinking it was over with The Last Crusade, especially. You know, I, mm-hmm. I've never thought that Indy was better than when he was paired with Sean Connery. I, the, oh, yeah. yeah, the dynamic there is too good. Like, it's too perfect. Yeah, that's what makes it my favorite yeah. one. Yeah, it's, that's a good one. It's too good. It's, the best it's, one. It's, it's almost overwhelming. That and, and River Phoenix in yes. the beginning. Yeah. yeah. I, and, um, I love that everyone perfect. has a different favorite uh, Indiana Jones movie, too. That's It says something about how enduring the franchise is as a whole. And mm-hmm. and like you said about, uh, in, about Harrison Ford, you know, I was just talking to a, a friend about this before we recorded. Um, a friend was watching... Um, Witness, you know the Amish film, mm-hmm. and you know there was that period yeah. when Harrison Ford decided no more, no more of that, and he and he went into his, he became his own genre, the Harrison Ford genre. Yep, and yeah. which I think cultivated in The Fugitive, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. So but, good. But you know what it reminds me of, and Susanna, you hit the you hit the nail on the head. 
um, he's come back to liking these characters that he played. The same mm-hmm. way, you know, Leonard Nimoy would play Spock for years. And then he got sick of it. And he wrote books, I am not Spock. I hate Spock. No Spock, Spock, Spock. And then at the end of his life, he's like, you know what? I am Spock. I love it. And he started being the character again. And he embraced it. And he was fun again. And he was happy. And I think that was Harrison Ford to some expect. He's like, he, he, I think he appreciates the fact he's a genre character now. Like, he's going to be in the MCU. You know, he's going to be in um, Captain America. He was, in so the expend- cool. he was in the Expendables. Yeah. You know, he's a he's he's a little old to play Captain America, though. I think. You know what? I will take Harrison Ford at eighty-two over Anthony Mackie any day <laughs> of the week. So, yeah. any day, uh, right yeah. now. So, he, the, you mean the most boring actor in Hollywood? Well, I feel oh bad because I don't have anything against Anthony Mackie. But, I don't either, but he's but, just boring. But he's in movies you didn't know existed because he's in those movies. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. Just, he's yeah. a self-fulfilling – like I, if Captain America 4 comes out and nobody sees it and nobody knows that it's out, that's that's when we'll know he's cursed. He's not a lead actor. He's a good supporting yes. actor. He's not a lead actor though. They're oh, yeah, trying to make uh, him a lead actor. I thought he was really good in uh, Winter Soldier. Yes. But yeah, then he's yeah. not about the, him. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, he's good, good. as like a supporting role. He plays – yeah. But he's but he's just not uh, he doesn't he can't carry a, a film I don't think he's that's he's, why the TV show wasn't that yeah. great oh yeah ugh well he's like so, Fred he's like the Fred Williams and no one knows this reference but he's like the Fred Williams of his genre he's like Remo Williams the adventure begins no 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 Remo Williams the adventure is never going anywhere so <laughs> trust me if you if you know what I'm talking about that's a very good joke so <laughs> it is. You ever that's see, how, that, did you ever see that movie? That is my, no, but that's how I always preface all of my jokes that I make. Yeah, you don't get this, but it's if you did. <laughs> I it. promise you, it's great. So, okay, um, that's a good choice. So, uh, Suzanne, I, I assume that was probably on your list somewhere too. So, yeah. So, what do we got? What do we got next? Um, okay, well, now on my list is another film that's probably you know. Uh, at the end of the franchise, mm-hmm. um, it's gone on too long. But Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part oh, One. Oh yes, Good movie. I love that. I'm a big fan of the franchise. I think they get better as they go on, which is weird because usually films get worse. Like, you know, Fast and the Furious, they they get worse. Hey every now, time there's a new one. Hey now. Oh, did That's you like? Uh, I, I love, yeah, I love Fast, Fast X. Or yeah, Fast X was, it didn't make my list quite, but I liked it. Yeah, I'm a Fast and Furious junkie. Yeah, I, I, um, the only thing I didn't like about Mission Impossible, um, Dead, is that it's part one. Although, uh, yeah. um, I don't know if anyone's like seen uh, the marketing for it lately. Like maybe, yeah, if you've seen it on Amazon or something, they've dropped the part one yeah. from the title, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, because really it, it's very much a part one because it ends on a cliffhanger and all that. And, you know, as you're watching it, um, well, as I was watching it, I forgot that it was even a part one. Um, when it ended, I was like, oh my God, cause it ends on that awful cliffhanger. But yeah, I thought it was a great film, great stunts. Although nowadays the stunts really are, are what it's known for less than anything else. But yeah, but, yeah. oh, and my favorite character of the franchise uh, died in this film, which sucks. Uh, but I, I knew what was gonna—I knew that was gonna happen because like they brought in someone new, and when they do that, usually the other one leaves. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, did everyone see it or? I didn't see it. No. What? You didn't see I it? I didn't see it either. No, what? I didn't see oh, it. Well, well, I, I don't—I hate part ones because every time I see a part one, I'm like, I'm gonna wait a year to see this because. I don't want to have to wait that long to see part two. So I never, oh, it makes me not see movies. There's a honestly. couple things. Huh? Um, there's a history of Tom Cruise movies being renamed 
when they come home. Do you oh, remember? Um, yeah. Oh yeah, Edge, Edge of, of Tomorrow, uh, yeah. which which sounded like a soap opera. And <laughs> they just yeah. like live, die, repeat or yeah. something. Which yeah, live, die, repeat, and and then all you need is kill, which yep. I think is a much better title. Wait, that they I've never heard that one. That's yeah. for all the you, same movie. Yep. Yeah. Whoa. All you need is kill. Weird. Based on a manga. So yeah, yeah. But, it's a good uh, movie. I'll I'll say this. I liked the previous one better than this, Susanna. But I really, I uh, Fallout. Yeah, Fallout. Fallout. Fallout's good. Fallout. I yeah, think Fallout is actually the best one when I think about yeah. it. I think that's yeah. the best but, one. Yeah. But that's not a slight on this. It's just we're at that point again where we're being told that Tom Cruise is going to exit the franchise again. Remember, he was supposed to exit before mm-hmm. Jeremy mm-hmm. Renner was supposed to take over, and then Jeremy Renner showed up and we realized, no, 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 we'll keep Tom Cruise. He's he's good. He's still better. And yeah. so, but I don't think there's they're setting this up to you know to to hand it off to anybody i don't think no yeah they killed like, the, the one character they could have supposed to be the last one but uh, i don't know well i don't think there is a franchise without tom cruise that's the problem like he is yeah. he yeah, is the, he yeah. is the brand he is the brand and yeah I think he does everything with the movie you um it's funny they have a director and all that but like really he's the one writing yeah, exactly. casting exactly. <laughs> doing the stunts well Chris, yeah, i heard anthony mackie's gonna take over anthony mackie <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna go shut this off now. We're done. Um, but you know what's funny? Uh, I know Chris McQuarrie is awesome. He's really good. And, like, I yeah. I like their Jack Reacher film. Can I say that? I like their Jack Reacher film quite a bit. Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, like whatever you think of the Amazon series or whatever, I like the movie. Um, it's like the only other thing he's done, right? Is the pretty much. Um, he did a movie with Brian Phillippe called Way of the Gun, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But you know, right. you remember this franchise was resurrected by um, Brad Bird. You know, and um, yeah. who's the Star Wars guy? Uh, what's his name? J.J. Uh, Abrams. But J. 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 I thought the third one was like the resurrection because the second one was really bad. Yeah, the, like well, Brad was really Bird from bad, Pixar. But... Yeah, Brad Bird. He directed. Uh, well, Go- he did Ghost, Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol. Did he really? Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. His first live did, action. Did his first live action movie. Oh, that's cool. He's, um, yeah. he's a good movie. But that's what reset the films, as like Susanna said, stunt spectacles because of the you know the tower in um, Middle East. It's mm-hmm. but this one I think I. This one didn't do as well, and I'll t- I think I know why. You mentioned cliffhanger, but I think you meant that literally, because all the marketing <laughs> was about you know the cliff jump, the cliff jump, the cliff jump, yeah. the cliff jump, and I think people maybe that's not the stunt they should have been so focusing on because they didn't focus on story, they didn't focus on they just focused on the cliff jump, the cliff jump, the cliff jump, and when you see it in the film, it's only what thirty seconds. So yeah, it's, it's not even it's not even a big stunt really no, no. compared and then to they, the other things. Well, then they they slather the CG all over it, right? They put like CG mountains under where he was doing it, and they they do that, and it kind of takes it away a little bit. I mean, you remember the Halo jump in Fallout, the one with um, yeah. him and Superman? It was great. It was fantastic. Yeah. And this movie's great too. Don't get me wrong. This movie's a lot of fun, and it's fun to see some of the characters come back. But it's yeah, but it, it's gonna need. They're going to need to promote the second one a little differently, I think, to get people. I also think that it suffered from the fact that Oppenheimer and Barbie were coming out like the next weekend. You're so there was a there was a a drop, like a great drop. There was a controversy about that. You know that um, Christopher Nolan was fighting for the IMAX screens for this. Mm -hmm. This was an Mm -hmm. IMAX. So like there was back and forth with this. It just nothing could stop Barbieheimer. Like that that just steamrolled everything. So yeah, thank you. I think it would have done better if it came out in August because August was dead yeah it would have it would have yeah, this is a weird year because of the strikes and all that stuff it was just the releases were mm-hmm. all over the place I, they were all trying to come out before the strike was supposed to happen and then, yeah yeah i will say one thing though final thought on mission impossible for me is that 
Tom Cruise is coming back off like a career resurrection because of Top Gun. And I think mm-hmm. maybe they thought that would that goodwill was going to carry over to Mission Impossible. And I think yeah. maybe they should understand that his that's not the case. Like Tom Cruise is big and we all love him, but he's this is not a movie star industry anymore. Like one person just can't no. make everything successful. I would argue he's like the last movie star. He is definitely yeah. Last I, I would say the last big one. Um, Ethan, you know yeah. you're going to laugh at me. My theory is that the biggest movie star in the world like is actually Jason Statham. You know the the only well, I'm I'm serious. Hear me out. The only actor who can star in a movie, you don't care what the plot is about. If I said new Jason Statham movie, I don't even know what the plot is. He beats people up. Yeah. But the movie makes money. He never goes straight to video. His movies always make money. His last movie, still in theaters, The Beekeeper, made money. Yeah. Outgrossed yeah. everything else. It's just, it is what it is. Will Smith could have kept it going, but he had a couple of duds in the last few years. He flew too close to the sun. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, yeah. Jason Slap, Statham. Slaps gate aside, but. Um, Jason Statham knows. Sometimes it's a CG shark. Most yeah. of the time, it's someone in a village. But he knows his limitations. So. Yeah. Yeah. But That's fair. Good choice, though. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, you should definitely watch Mission Impossible. It's it's really good. Yeah, I want to. So, yeah. so Will, what we got? What we got? Uh, uh this one is a uh, the documentary, the Michael J. Fox document documentary oh, yeah. called Still. Yes. Yeah. That was great. I actually I walked in my. When I was visiting home uh, months ago, my mom was watching it, and I didn't know anything about Michael J. Fox other than the fact that he was in the Back to the Future movies, which I haven't even seen. Oh, but, wow. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You, uh, how does it feel being the only person in the world who <laughs> We found him. We found the Pretty one. found the guy. You should make, yeah. you should <laughs> make a the, documentary about you. He's the guy. You, he probably thinks. How think, do I go through each day yeah, Rick, never think, having a you think, connection? Exactly. You, think, you think Rick and Morty copied? Yeah, like they were copying Rick and Morty. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, man. You got to see Back to the Future, dude. Yeah, um, it was a really cool documentary. I mean, I. It was funny to see him. He has so much natural charisma, and they mm-hmm. play, you know, yeah. so much footage from when he was in like his first TV show, sitcom, Family Ties. Yeah, yeah, he's and so good. Oh, he's so, so good, good in Family Ties. And the directors, the producers, like everyone's talking about how how much of a hard worker he is. And my favorite part of the movie is they they reenact a lot of the scenes from when he was a kid, when he was a starving, like literally starving actor, when he had like an apple a day or something, like. Yeah. He would sleep in this. All he had was like a mattress and like you get his mail and scripts. Like that was like the only things that occupied his apartment. Jeez. And then he would wake up at like what was it three or four a.m. Memorize the script on the way to set. Do you know amazing and then go back home and just repeat. He did it for years. And the way that the way they film is so quick and so fast, and they never show his face. They have some young actor just dressed up like dressed up like him and they always follow him directly from the back and it's such like an interesting way of you're just you're right on his shoulder following him as he goes through about his years and there's this really great sequence where they're showing how he was able to hide his parkinson's in the characters he played he always like gave them physical tics that were never like never really in the script but he just like basically gave this character a personality that he had to move his hands a lot and like it's an incredible thing of you know, he, he was totally afraid of if he has Parkinson's, he won't be able to act. So he has to like almost work with it. And then that bleeds into, well, if I can make it work with, if I can actually have Parkinson's and still act, that means just this philosophy of making it work with my life instead of trying to ignore it and deny it. Mm. So 
great story. You did it. Um, did it go into his uh, guitar playing? I know he he loves playing guitar. Not so much. I think I mentioned it a little bit towards the end, but not so much. More about just his life with it and how like how bad how bad it got. How it affects him. Years. Yeah. yeah. But it was this. I mean, beautiful story. What's really interesting is th- there's never a moment where he's self pitying. Yeah. Which is strange. I thought there'd be at least a moment where he was like. I mean, of course he felt really just awful and dejected when he was when it was confirmed when the doctors told him how bad it was going to get but there's no point in the movie where he ever talks about i guess like the more inherent misery that would have come along with that kind of diagnosis yeah he's a self he's a self-proclaimed optimist i think right that was like the tagline of his book i think it was looking up or something the something of a self of a something relentless optimist or something like that yeah um, i mean he's completely embodied that i mean in the whole movie yeah. Really great experience. Did uh, did they mention when he guest starred on Curb Your Enthusiasm? Oh, they did. They did. Yeah. Okay, but and I, I I saw that scene before I saw this movie. Okay. Did you ever? I thought it was one of the funniest. Scenes. Yeah. It, it, honestly, I think it's the single funniest thing on that show. Um, did right. it, have it, anybody ever watch Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David? No, I've seen that scene yeah. though. Yeah. Yeah, where he he's he's at war with Michael J. Fox because Michael he thinks Michael J. Fox is faking Parkinson. And all yeah. he does is hear him walking above, and he hears the the thump. And eventually, the entire city of New York bans Larry David because he's because he's been mean to Michael J. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> so they kick him out of the country. So, oh, it's fun. Oh man. oh man, you haven't seen Back to the Future, huh? You are in for a treat. Watch Family Ties while you're at it, man. Uh, yeah, he was like the paragon of what like every actor was aspi- young actor was aspiring to be at that time. Like, what's, what's his name? Just snark- Alex, snarky, Alex, and cool. Alex, P. Alex, P. Alex P. King. Yeah, he yeah, was just he, like he was improvised. He, yeah, yeah, he was just so he was so snarky and so cool and like good looking and like everyone wanted to be this guy and. Um, uh, just as an actor, like you wanted to have this kind of charisma, and and the fact that he transitioned to to film was impressive too, and especially like one of the biggest movies ever. Well, well, he almost didn't. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you guys, yeah, it, was, it was Eric oh, Stoltz. Yeah. Did li- they literally filmed a, like a major part, like massive part chunks of the movie with Eric Stoltz, and then which, just mm-hmm. recast him. Which was a major plot point of the Flash. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. it's true. They want. Well, they wanted. Um, uh, Michael J. Fox, and then I guess he couldn't because of family ties or something, and then mm-hmm. so they cast Eric Stoltz, I believe, and then and then as soon as he, uh, yeah. Michael J. Fox got time, he was yeah. like, "No, nope, we want you back." They, uh, yeah, we you know you were talking. We were talking about Anthony Mackie, and no offense to him, because Eric Stoltz is a good actor too. Um, yeah, but, he is. Actually. But sometimes you need that chemistry, you need that screen presence and charisma, and if you've seen the scenes with Eric Stoltz, it's not the same. Not, yeah, it, as good fair. as Back to the Future is as a movie, and the writing's impeccable, and it's it's perfect. But Michael, if it, if Michael J. Fox w- weren't in the movie, it would be not as good. I mean, you could say the same with Christopher Lloyd, but but he's just he is he is just the ultimate audience surrogate. You just want to live in this guy's what this guy's going through in this movie, and you want to be in his shoes. <laughs> just well, to go back to your uh, your parents' childhood and see how they met, and like. It was so cool. Have you seen whenever they show Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd together, and they're together quite a bit recently? They're mm-hmm. always showing up. They obviously love each other. It's not fake, yeah. and they, yeah. they care about each other. And I think, uh, well, when you watch the film, you'll you'll see. And Ethan, you and I have talked about Back to the Future on this podcast. Yeah. Um, I think we both agreed that it, it may be the most charismatic pairing of two actors that's ever been in film. 
and and there's no logic to why they're friends. Like they, no. there's three movie, there's three movies, and they don't mention it once, and it doesn't no, matter. It it's doesn't like, matter. These guys are best friends, an old guy and a teenager, and it doesn't matter why they're yeah. friends. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. Yeah. By the way, don't see Life as Mikey. It's not a very good movie. So, <laughs> so, not as yeah. good. Yeah. Just watch Back to the Future, and then yeah. and watch uh, what's that movie with Peter Jackson, um, the Ghost movie. <laughs> Oh, um, um, uh, I have it on. Oh, uh, goodness. Yeah, Frighteners. One, fright, is it Frighteners? Yeah, the Frighteners. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, well, that's All a good right. pick. See, see, we, you could do documentaries. So, documentaries yeah. are okay. So, I do have to speed things up a smidge, guys. Sorry about that. So, we already talked about this, that. I'm just going to get my big one out of the way. Um, go from serious that. The Super Mario Brothers movie. There you go. There, you there go. we go. I had to get this out of the way. The Super Mario Brothers movie, which we've talked about as well. So I'll just say this. Besides Barbie, it was the biggest movie of the year, so a lot of people saw it. So did anybody <laughs> didn't else? See it. You didn't see it? Well, pause. No. Pause. Netflix. So um, Ethan, I know you saw it because I paid oh, yeah. for you to see it. Yeah, it was good. It was a gift for his kids. It was a fun movie. Yeah, it was a fun movie. Will, did you see it? I did. I saw it with um. It was, it was like a whole family ordeal, like all my cousins and my siblings. Nice. Yeah, it was one of those. Um, like I said, biggest uh, was the biggest film of the year before Barbie came out. Um, wasn't the best with the critics, though, and that's that's kind of what I want to say it on. Um, if you haven't seen the film, it's basically a straightforward adaptation of the games. Uh, pe- obviously, there was fever for this. Uh, Illumination Studios done Despicable Me. Uh, what else have they done? They did The Grinch, right? Yes. Yes. I believe. Lorax. But... My biggest thing, and, and Ethan and I have talked about both Super Mario Brothers movies at length, but I'll, I'll save the conversation for later because it's, yeah. I'll just say this. Ex- I don't think the critics quite watched the film for what it was. I think they were watching it for what it wasn't. And I think sometimes that that speaks to a limitation on the critic, that they're not able to sort of parse their way through. Um, not everything has to be the same. And I think given the fact that all video game movies are p- basically bad, and this one somehow succeeded and may have upended the entire Hollywood system. And by that, I mean, um, you guys mentioned, I think the comic book genre may be sliding away. It will be replaced mm-hmm. with something and it's not going to be Westerns. So I think it's going to be, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be video game films. I do. I hope so. And we're going to get tons of bad ones, tons and tons of bad ones. But I'll say this. I'm ready. Uh, Ethan, I chatted with you about this. I sent you a text about this because I was really tired. I don't know why I did it. I was loopy. The Zelda, the yeah. Zelda thing? The next, yeah. Uh, the next one is Nintendo's already announced The Legend of Zelda from uh, you know, the new director of the Planet of the Apes films, produced by Sony. That's going to be cool. So yeah. we will see what happens. I, I, here's my prediction. You heard it here. If they do it well and it says received as Mario, then I think you're looking at uh, the world's biggest movie franchise. I do. I think bigger oh, than yeah, Star probably. Wars. I think bigger than that. <laughs> Easily. If they do it badly, what movie? What? So yeah. it's all an execution. So Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, also, just watch for Jack Black singing the Peaches song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why Now, why that wasn't nominated for Best Song at the Academy Awards, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I just get, very deep. Just, just get Jack Black on the stage singing Peaches. Everybody will be happy. It's not hard. It's right there. Okay. Let's let's speed through these other ones real quick. So real quick. So Ethan, what do we got? So I got Oppenheimer next. Um, you oh, know, yeah. Christopher Nolan. You know, you can make a case he's the best director of the 21st century. No one would really argue with you much. Uh, he makes remarkably ambitious movies, and he makes them appro- in, a, in an approachable way. You know, you could say what you will about Tenet, but 
Um, still a good movie. Um, he's yeah, Oppenheimer is fantastic. It's it's maybe not his most rewatchable movie or his most entertaining, but it you could make a case that it's his best movie. Um, obviously, it's about Robert Oppenheimer's involvement with the creation of the atomic bomb during World War II. Um, and the film is at its best when it's dealing with its themes as well as its um, its subject matter. But it, uh, yeah, it, it, it nails the idea of like paradoxes and how it's difficult for us to accept that two opposing things can be simultaneously true and how we have a hard time kind of seeing beyond truths that have already been ingrained in our brains. Um, and uh, like, for instance, like Robert Oppenheimer can be opposed to using the A-bomb, but he still views it as a scientific success, quote-unquote. Um, and, you know, he gets indicted later on. Uh, they thought he was, I think, giving away information to the Russians or the Soviets. And uh, it just kind of goes into why uh, why we don't have to have a black or white answer for everything. And like we said earlier about putting uh, people into boxes, it's mm-hmm. it's very, very uh, uh, adjacent to what American fiction was doing, but obviously a completely different movie. But it's very similar. So I assume everybody – has everybody seen Oppenheimer? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So quick question for you, um, Ethan. Yeah. Who's going to win Best Supporting Actor at the Academy Awards? Is it going to be Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer or Robert De Niro in Killers of a Flower Moon? Uh, you know, Downey Jr. was great. I, but I don't know. I think people want to see – I don't know. That's a good yeah. – I mean, I don't know who's got the buzz for it, but I Robert think – Downey. I think Robert Is Downey Jr. should win, but I think people still want to see De Niro go across the stage – one last time, maybe. Um, but yeah, it'd be great if Robert Downey Jr. won. I love him. Any other thoughts on First Suzanne and Will about Oppenheimer? Uh, definitely liked it. I saw. I, I did the double feature when I saw. Oh, it. that's right. Yeah. Oh, and the bar. <laughs> I, I, oh yeah, yeah, I yeah, did it too. It was great. Um, oh, cool. I, I saw the Chinese theater like six a.m. Uh, <laughs> I remember great that. Way, great way to wake up. Uh, <laughs> Refreshing yeah. three-hour docudrama. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but my my overall impression was I definitely liked it. I think it felt too much like a Baz Luhrmann movie where it's like, it feels like this very, very long uh, yeah. montage, but I, I f- at least in the moment where the bomb drops, I felt like that was what the whole thing led up to that moment yeah. of just cutting out all the music and dialogue and you just kept breathing. Great. I actually yeah. didn't like that. It kept going on after that for so long. Right. Mm. That, that kind of felt a drag to me. The, um, did it anybody, was definitely long. has anybody read the book it was based off of? Nope. They um they no. they basically like the last half of the book is essentially the courtroom drama about like you mentioned like him being accused of communist sympathies, yeah. and how he was basically stripped of all his um, entitlements and yeah. and, so, and you know it turns out he he did a little but the way he was treated was probably unfair and you know prejudicial yeah. so but uh yeah who who knew that a three plus hour docu- black and white documentary <laughs> about this could could be a phenomenon and it turns I mean, out you could, you it could, could only you could only only Christopher Nolan could do it this well, I think, which is another thing that was cool. It, it was very Titanic-esque, like, oh, I'm going to make a three-and-a-half-hour movie about the sinking of the Titanic with a rom-com subplot, or, you know, plot. Like, you know, James Cameron could do it, Christopher Nolan could do it, and I don't know who else. Well, but I'll say this, uh, the greatest movie trailer in a long time. Can we say that? Like, that helps. Mm-hmm. When you saw that trailer, like, I don't know anything about what's going on, but, mm-hmm. just, but I'm going to see this. Of course, I mean, we knew who Oppenheimer was, some of us did, but but the trailer was awesome, and it, that's exactly yeah. what you want. And so, um, by the way, so real quick, we'll move on. But 
Is Oppenheimer the favorite to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Like, I hope it doesn't win, but I'm <laughs> but I mean, yeah, what, I... like, it, it's just like I said, it, it seems to be the sentimental favorite. Can we just say that? Yeah. Yes. I wanted to break all the records, but it's. I mean, I'll, I'll just say this: I've done aggregates of every list out there. I've gone through thousands of these things, and it seems like Oppenheimer is like the favorite. So, yeah, yeah it's the Oscars. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Well, yeah. it could be another Moonlight. And I think uh, Nolan will win Best Director. Nice. Definitely. Oh. Well, it won't be for Barbie. Well, he's the reason why they have these uh, ten nominees instead of five, is because he had like two movies the in Dark a row. Knight. Yeah, the Dark Knight, and then like I think Inception. They were like, okay, we gotta extend this thing because these movies aren't getting nominated, but they're like phenomenal. Like, why? What's happening? Yeah. Who's the director again? Who does Dune and Blade Runner? It's Villa. Villa Denis. Villa New. It is fascinating watching these two talk about each other online. They yeah. love oh, yeah. each other. They won't stop bragging about each other. Like we get yeah. it. We get it. Get yeah. a room. But bromance, yeah. It's pretty cool. It's interesting because they're both great. So Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer. So Will, will we uh, actually I'm sorry, Susanna. So how many how many do you have left? Um well let's see some of them. About like three. Okay. So let's we can yeah. we can bash these out real quick because I know we're on a time limit. So let's get going. Oh, all three. What do you think? Can we do that? Four. Can we do that? Can we do three? But yeah, let's do like a lightning round. Yeah, yeah let's do this. Let's do this. Okay, change the okay. rules. We um, can do it. The holdovers. <laughs> yes. There you go. Which I thought was a great little slice of life movie, like we were describing that other movie. But mm. this one really felt like slice of life. It was wholesome, charming, but um, and new a new Christmas classic. I think. Mm-hmm. I think I will be watching it next Christmas. Good movie. Uh, Paul Giamatti was great, and um, the guy, the kid, the kid. I don't know his name off the top yeah. of my head, but he was great too. I think this is his first, first movie ever. Yeah, for anything, he was picked he was for great. this movie. He was great. Yeah, we um oh. about a week oh. ago, Susanna, Ethan, and I recorded an episode of this podcast, and we actually highlighted uh, the holdovers. Yeah. 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 We liked it. We so, really liked yeah, it. I, I loved it. It's a very wholesome movie about a man who drives drunk. <laughs> Which never comes up yeah. in the film, by the way. He just he just yeah. open carries. No. So. <laughs> okay. What do we got? So two more. And then um, the killer by David Fincher, Michael mm-hmm. Fassbender. Oh, I like that movie too. Yeah. That yeah, I, I like that. Um, at first, I, I wasn't in love with it, but the more that I think on it, I really liked it because big fan of David Fincher. He's my favorite director, so I was going to watch it no matter what. Um, and it was interesting that it's not his typical movie. I would say like there's all the hallmarks of his usual um, directing and all that. Um, the music is there and all that uh, lighting, but I don't know. I guess the focus on one person, and there's not much of a plot really. It's just kind of like. A, a, like a snapshot of like his life uh, over a course of a couple of weeks, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I liked it. Yeah, it's a good movie. Did you, and then, you... oh, oh, I'm sorry, third one? one. Oh, it was Air. Ooh, yeah. Ben oh yeah. Affleck, the is, it, is that your favorite of la- of last year? You'd say, or, or just? Oh no, no, no. no. Okay, <laughs> I don't know, know if you were counting down. Okay, I got it. Yet. No, Air is good. Too. No, but yeah, I liked Air. I like seeing. Ben Affleck directing. I think he's a much better director than actor, but yeah. he keeps putting himself in his own films. I don't care. And, but seeing him and Matt Damon together again was fun. I like that. And yeah. it was interesting. And, I didn't know much about the And on the same the side, shoe. too. So. On the same side. Because they were in the last duel. They were on opposite sides last time. But this time, they were like actually acting together a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I didn't know much about like um, how the shoe Nike came about or anything, so that was interesting to me, at least. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's funny? There's a lot of movies last year about brands. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah, the like, Blackberry. Yeah, one. like Tetris, yeah. Pinball. Tetris. Go figure. Yeah. yeah. There's more than that, but the, there's quite a bit. Uh, Flaming Hot Barbie. Nachos or whatever. Oh, yeah, Bar- yeah, the Flaming Hot Beanie Barbie. Babies. Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the year of the brand. I Literally, IP. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Any any comments on any of Susanna's picks from anybody? Yeah. No, I loved Air. I th- I thought it was. Uh, I love I love that they didn't really like super focus on Michael Jordan. Like they didn't actually. Did they show? Show? Him? They didn't show. Him. No. They no. They, they, no. they were no. good. Uh, yeah. But then that was like a conscious decision. They're like, we can't show Michael Jordan because it would take you out of the movie. So like, I like that they didn't show him. That was kind of a cool little extra thing. But yeah, I loved it. I'm a big basketball nut. So that was yeah. like. Um, well, you, you, review, you yeah. reviewed the film, right? I did. Yeah, yeah. I did. I liked it. Okay, and I wasn't expecting much from it either. It was just, it was on like Amazon or something. And I was like, hey, I'll watch it. And I ended yeah. up really liking it. And I like that everything took, takes place like in the office. Like they don't really talk about their home lives much or like how yeah. Phil Knight's no. uh, wife probably hates that he works too much. Like they didn't talk about any of that. It was literally just what goes on in the office. Um, that was kind of a cool beat yeah. too. Yeah. And I like seeing... Um, like the old-fashioned like how old-fashioned it felt if that makes sense mm. like the old logos and stuff like that yeah yeah it was cool that was cool you know the holdovers had an old-fashioned logo too oh yeah, yeah. yeah. remember at the beginning the opening of it is really cool yeah. yeah yeah it's not from the 70s it just looks like it's from the 70s so. yeah okay and uh what's your face will probably win best supporting actress from the holdovers mm. yeah yeah Oh, goodness gracious. She was from that movie Dolomite is my name. Yeah, Joy Divine Randolph. Yeah, she was... She's also in um, Only Murders in the Building. Yep, she's the cop. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's good. She was was a lot of fun in there. Um, Yeah, we like... We all like the holdovers here. I think um, Will actually reviewed it for the site, though. So, one of his his first. So, yeah, it's... Thank you for not spoiling it, by the way. Like, a lot of times when people review films, they they spoil it. No. Um, Real quick... Uh, a lot of people like when I told you I did all the aggregates though I told you Oppenheimer was the favorite the second favorite is actually the holdovers awesome Could it's, it be a... it's, it's working its way up really? too right yeah. like it was lower mm-hmm. in the trends and then now it's, they're saying it's, it might be two it's, or three it's the it's the spoiler film it's like the moonlight and, to you know yeah. the, um, the other one and where Social does uh, where does poor things come in on that it doesn't yeah. but uh, it's, oh. doesn't. Lives yeah. was like last poor things is a favorite for best actress yeah for Emma for Emma Stone I remember it won it won best comedy or musical at the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's so mm-hmm. weird how the Oscars are because it is. I, I think it's ranked choice voting too, so you can kind of predict it a little bit. But yeah, but you know, I mean, we're all rooting for movies that have done pretty well, like better than anything we've done. So I feel, you know, yeah. I, if I had money invested, I'd care more, but I don't. I should have invested. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, all good choices, by the way. So, Will, what do we got on your list? Let's let's bang these other ones out. All right, uh, I just got three left. Okay. Um, Spider-Man, the Across the Spider-Verse. I was waiting for some of them. Yes. Yeah. That's a good one. Loved it. That was, I, I saw, um, saw it my birthday. Great birthday movie. Long mm-hmm. animated film. I love that style of animation, and I like seeing it again in um, the uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. But, yeah. Yeah. Great plot. Um, loved I loved uh, Oscar Isaac's performance. Um yeah, I don't know. everything about it just felt like it was. It felt 
similar to the first one in tone of big big adventure. It's exciting. It's it feels it's very much like a fun animated movie. As I like, I have no complaints. I liked it better than the first one, honestly. Um, I did the, too, first, the first one kind of had like the onus of having to explain like quantum theory and like all this, you know what I mean? Like the multiverse. Yeah, yeah. It essentially introduced like cinematically at least the multiverse yeah. concept. But um, yeah, this one, like, the yeah, this one was I thought was more. And I like both of them, but this one was I like better. Yeah, me too. Also, the length. I think the length definitely doesn't overstay its welcome, and it, it's fun yeah. that it has it has enough of a conclusion. Where on its own it's still good, but it's, yep. it's I'm excited to wait for the next one. Me too. Me too. I think they yeah. said it was the longest theatrically released animated movie ever, like in the yeah, really? like two two and a half oh, hours. Wow. Yeah, it's. But who's the guy who played Spider Punk? Was it Daniel Kaluuya? Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. great. He was Love fantastic. Him. Yeah, yeah, he's great. good too. Um, and okay, my other one was uh, Zone of Interest. Ooh, you actually saw. You actually saw it. I haven't seen that. Yet. Oh yeah, you're you're the one who saw it. You didn't see Back to the, the Future, the but you saw this. Didn't see Back to the yeah, <laughs> he's the so only. He you have to be the only person in the world who's seen Zone of Interest, but not Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. um, this it's such a weird movie because it's not for a plot. It's it it feels more like an art piece than like you're watching a plot. And you're watching characters because the whole point is you're not supposed to. It's it's weird because you're not you can't like these people because the whole premise is that they live they literally share a wall with Auschwitz and I, and I didn't know this. Um, huh. The trailer did the, not say this. The trailer was very opaque about what the the secret was. To no, but well, it's fine. Cause it's not even a secret. It's not yeah. like this big reveal. You kind of know it the first two minutes when you start seeing smokestacks in the distance. Yeah. You never see the camp. You only ever see this plot of land that's this like idyllic German oh. household. We're what a great title, actually. Thinking zone about of that interest. now, it's yeah, amazing. zone of interest. Because I was wondering, because I kind of vaguely knew what the movie was about, like the Nazis, you know, and I was like, what does the title have to do with that? Mm-hmm. But now that you say, you know, that they never really talk yeah, about never it, or show it or anything, yeah. There's, I think there's one scene where they do talk about the camp, but it's in a very rigid, um, in like a machine-like way. They're just describing the process of moving people in and moving ashes out. It's a very like grotesque movie and how indifferent it is to mm. like the actual suffering. But it's an, I mean, amazing sound, really great music, incredible acting. Oh, the since it's a family, the woman who I can't remember her name, but it's the woman who plays the wife in Zone of Interest is the ma- is the mother in Anatomy of the Fall. Oh yeah, yeah that's Sandra, right. She's in both of Sandra. those movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, phenomenal. This is this is where I have to. I have to introduce more death, though. The person who wrote the book, the uh, movie is based off, was the great Martin Amos, who actually passed away last year. And mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody's ever read him before. I, I know I sent you a couple of his books after we talk, talked about it, Will, but he is he was like one of the great novelists of the, like the last part of the 20th, 20th century. And uh, this is one of his thinnest books, too. So, wow. yeah, it's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. but, but no, it's... This movie has not got a wide release. It's very difficult to get screeners for it if you don't live like in certain areas. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I think that probably limits its you know its visibility in award season a little bit. So, yeah. yeah, I think the only thing it's nominated for is oh, it's um, for international and for sound design. I think what, mm-hmm. it wasn't best. Was it best picture best, too? It's and best, best picture, picture too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best, yeah. Picture. best picture. Which I would. I think. Would you be upset? All, I, would you be upset I if I got it? I would be upset in the slightest. <laughs> I think that one should really win. This or, bar- a... this or Barbie? This or Barbie? <laughs> Barbie was cool, but I don't know if I, <laughs> I, don't know if I like it that much. <laughs> oh, um, 
Just imagine if they matched this with Barbie. Like, Zone of Barbie. Like, it doesn't work as well as, like, Barbieheimer. Uh, <laughs> phonetically, it doesn't really roll off. No. Zone of Barbie. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, uh, my last one was Poor Things. Okay. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen that one either. Definitely my favorite director of the year. Love Yorgos. And I just I just got into his filmography because I, I saw... Um, Did you see uh, uh, the Lobster? Oh. I saw the Lobster a few years ago. I saw the Favorite. I uh, saw Killing of a Sacred Deer this year. It, I, I just love his weird, surrealist style. Especially that, well, uh, this one, it's really, you can flex it because it's so odd. I mean, the source material is like, there is, it almost doesn't exist in a time period. It feels like kind of old Victorian, but it's like also mixed with it's steampunk. Not... Yeah. It's, I love it. And it's very much like you're meant to, f- it's meant to feel like you're on a, almost like a, like a theater set. Everything's like, oh, everything's over the top and, uh, not erratic it's you know it's like overproduced everything's brightly lit warm and colorful and exciting yeah, yeah. gorgeous looking gorgeous Very looking gorgeous. movie mm-hmm. amazing set design yeah but love acting uh, every, everything about it was just for me it was just visually and just auditorially it was so fun and it's just juicy it's <laughs> <laughs> it like like every like every shot is like oh there's so much character i mean they talk about um him and uh Yorgos and the cinematographer, I can't remember his name. They talk about like all the different types of lenses they use that are like not made for film, really. They're like, let's just get the weirdest perspectives we can with like these weird fisheye lenses, a lot of vignettes. Great perspective shots. I uh I I think this would be a great film to describe the plot in front of like really prudish people. Oh yeah. <laughs> because I, I think they would probably do double takes. You know, like that famous meme of the eyes, like what? What'd you say? Yeah. They they put her what and where? And I think that would be that would be something that would be watchable. Mm. TikTok, get to it, get to it. Uh, no, I haven't seen it yet either. I know, I, Ethan, have you seen Poor Things? No, I have not seen that one. It's one yeah. of the two best picture nominees I haven't seen. That and, and uh, Zone of Interest. Yeah, he's fantastic. I I actually just watched Killing of a Sacred Deer for the first time a couple weeks ago. I, I'm late to the game, and I've seen The Lobster, and I've seen The Favorite, and I I really like him and. I really want to see this. I, I heard William Defoe's great in this too. Is he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he is. Yeah. Great I've, small part. I've seen the makeup, but I mean, you know, everyone focuses on the makeup and everything. But no, I, I just, I really, I love Emma Stone. I'm glad she's in a real movie again. It's um, you know, where she's not a Disney villain. Sorry, Ethan. I know you. love hey, You love I that movie. Love you, you yeah. do love Cruella. I love yeah, Cruella. Yeah, loved it. Uh, well, I'm not welcome here. I'm going. But uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, well. I guess that leaves me. Uh, I have three left, too. I'll bang them out real quick. Um, we've already talked about The Holdovers. Again, I, I really love that. I, I think the more I, I watch The Holdovers, I really love it. But um, the last three on my list, uh, Will, you mentioned Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Thank you. Great movie. Um, my only comment on that is that that movie nullifies the argument that you need things in live action because that movie would lose everything if it were translated into live action. It is an animated film. It belongs in animation. I, I can't see why anybody would want to attempt anything else. Although Donald Glover was live action in it, right? He was. Yep. He yeah, was, yeah. He was that cool. was the one. They had some touches there, yeah. But that was cool. I liked it. Okie dokie. So uh, my other films, I guess that leaves. Let me let me just make sure I have all this real quick. Okay, three ones for me. Um, Ethan, I know you saw this one. Dream scenario. 
with oh, Nicolas yeah. Cage. Which Loved like, it. Yes. Did you guys see it? That was like that. That was in my honorable mentions it. for sure. Yeah. That's another one of those Nicolas Cage comeback movies that he makes every year. Like every year he comes yeah. back. <laughs> I don't understand how that works. Yeah. Um, he plays a older, schlubby, uh, self-repressed, like in a way, kind of like the the main character in American Fiction. Like he's, uh, you know, he's just not as successful, and he blames the world. Um, then he just starts showing up in people's dreams. Like, not him, but a, vi- a version of him. Um, I don't know how yeah. else to explain it. And it's, I think it's a corollary and sort of a parable on fame and about what people do for fame. I think it falls a little part at the end, but I don't want to say much about it because it will spoil everything. And, but, and our obsession on, on, on how, on trying to control how other people see us and, and, and the futility in that. It, it's so cool. I, just the way it tackles that. I absolutely cannot picture any other actor playing it besides Nicolas Cage. I don't know yeah. what he does to his voice. I don't know how he presents himself, but he's he. It's like it's like with Pig. He's the act, yeah. the best actor for the role, like the best. And yeah. I, I really liked it a lot. I love Dream Scenario. Um, okay, other two movies real quick. Now, Ethan, I told you I liked this movie the moment I saw it. It came out early last year. People liked it. Then it got forgotten. It got nominated for I don't think for anything. Um, one of my, in fact, it was my second favorite movie of the year, and that was Blackberry. Mm. Yes, I love Blackberry. I don't know why. I didn't expect to. I, I told you, this is a, a year of brands. This mm. is a small, like low-budgeted film with actors you all know, you all like. Uh, what What's the actors from Jade Baruchel? Jay Baruchel, but I was going to say Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Glenn Howerton. Glenn Howerton, wearing yeah. you know, with a nice bald bald costume. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you know this, and I, and full disclosure, full disclosure, we kind of have a link to this movie. Pops Hard has. I interviewed the man who wrote the book it was based off of, and we were talking about it like years ago and about how what a great thriller this would make. And I don't think he took any of my advice seriously, and I don't think any of that's in the movie. <laughs> that would be that would be Tetris, by the way. Tetris is a thriller about Tetris, with car chases. Yeah, um, I, like, I like Tetris. Yeah. But this is this is a bun about ambition and about selling out and about. About how every story doesn't matter. You mentioned air about the Nike shoe. Any story can be interesting if you find like the crux of it. You know, when you find what makes it interesting, the human drama. And I think if you haven't, um, has anybody else seen Blackberry? No, I, I keep it. almost watching it. Nobody. Did I find? Yeah. Did I find the Will one movie it. that nobody saw besides the zombie movie? Like Will saw it. Will saw it, right? You saw Blackberry. I did. Yeah. yeah. What did you think about it? I love. That was great. I. It was fun to see Glenn Howerton. And something, and something besides it's always sunny Philadelphia. Yes. Which is funny because the, I mean, the more extreme version of his character in the show feels like basically what his character was in Blackberry. It was yeah, perfect. kind of. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just fun seeing him outside of that because he's been on that show for almost twenty years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of funny seeing a movie about like it's an underdog story with an underdog. I mean, spoiler: the Blackberry didn't do great on the market mm-hmm. in the long run. But it's it's funny to see this underdog story where it's they're on the rise for so long. But they just kind of fumble it. Yep. And but it's interesting because, lo- like, you know, you're. It's basically like you're in your in your seat, going, "Well, I know it's going to be a plane crash, but I'm I'm, I'm excited to see how exactly, it exactly. You see the inner workings of it, and that was all present, yeah. like in the in the in the books and everything. It's it's just like I said, you took something that could have been a documentary or something dry, and they made it something interesting. And I think I'll say it right now: the best thing that Jay Baruchel's ever been in, like as an actor. Um, and I and I and I am counting How to Train Your Dragon. Was he in that? Yeah, he was in me. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be in the remake, so we'll see. 
Blackberry, probably my second favorite film of the year. Um, I don't talk about it a lot, but in final one, though, is something I just saw recently, and I'm putting it on here as a spoiler. But Ethan, I, I texted you about this the other day. I, I really, yeah. really, really love this movie, and had I seen it a little earlier, it might have been different on my list. Um, it's an animated film from Spain that I did not know existed until I saw the Academy Award nominations, and I feel ashamed of myself because I love animated films. I love foreign animated films. Um, please tell me someone else has even heard of this because I didn't know this thing existed. A movie called Robot Dreams. Nope. I think I saw the trailer for it a few months ago. Yeah, it is a full-length animated film with no dialogue, absolutely none. It takes. It is a film that it takes place in a version of the 1980s where a dog, like anthropomorph- anthropomorphic animals, run the city, uh, is lonely, uh, and so he orders a robot, and the robot becomes his best friend. And they have adventures. They go sing. They they dance along to music from um, oh goodness, great Earth, Wind, and Fire, and the robot. <laughs> The robot, they go to the beach, like like you do, and the robot rests up, and he gets left on the beach. And it's all about the separation from the robot and the dog, but it is very funny. It is very funny, and I, I don't know how else to explain it. It's an experience. There's no dialogue, but it's not silent. A lot of good music, a lot of good... Uh, the story's fantastic. If you have, if anybody wants a copy, let me know. I have a screener of it. Um, Ethan, I sent it to you. I don't know if you... Yep. Yeah, I did not see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you just got it. Um, yeah. It's nominated for Best Animated Feature. And that's why I think we still care about the Oscars, because every once in a while, they do help bring attention to something that we didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. So um, if you've ever, I don't know if anybody here loves, like truly loves animated films, but again, no dialogue, all told through the visuals, which are awesome, by the way. It's very, it's like you're watching an episode of Futurama. It looks fantastic. So I'm going to, I'm going to be watching these people. I'm going to watch this studio quite a bit from now on. So, but that's... That's it. That's my favorite, and I think that's every. Do we get everybody's favorites? Uh, I got yeah. a couple. Okay. Uh, real quick, I know uh, we're running. We're running a little late. I got a couple more. You got a couple. Oh, Ethan, where are you? Okay. So I, yeah. what do we got? What do we got? No, it was. I just wanted to mention um, my last. Uh, I think three. Sure. Uh, I got Renfield, which is the a sequel. To there we go. That's what I was waiting for. Um, yeah, just basically follows Renfield, who is was invented for the 1931 uh, movie. He was not in the original uh, book, but, um, you know, it, it, just about how he kind of discovers um, the difference between good and evil and tries to uh, leave Dracula, essentially. Really funny. I don't know if anyone's seen that one. That was a, Oh, yeah. Uh, Nicolas Cage was awesome in that. Yeah, and Nicholas Holt is a very underrated actor. I love him in that, too. Um, He's our new uh, Lex Luthor, by the way. Yeah. Oh man, that's gonna be good. Yeah. Yeah. He's really. Good. Uh, and then next one I had was Dungeons and Dragons, which was my first movie I saw this year. Where I, I said, "Oh, that's my favorite movie of the year." Um, a couple topped it since then, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just a really really good uh like fantasy comedy. I think it's the best I've seen since Holy Grail. Uh, you know, I can't think of another one that's been that this good. Um, just really walks the tightrope perfectly between like irreverent um but it has a lot of respect for its lore and it's in world building and it's really meticulous in how it does so it's very um, funny it's and, very and funny it's filmed on loca- it's filmed in northern ireland and iceland where like a lesser movie would have just been green screen but this is actually filmed in locations and it's really really funny um i was just the funniest movie i've seen um all year for sure uh next uh one is um is uh <laughs> 
I, I almost didn't even pick this. But Good I'm Burger 2, right? Good Burger No, but uh, John Mulaney, Baby J. Uh, it's a stand-up special, but I'm, I'm mentioning it because I loved it, and I reviewed it for the site, um, and I know Nathan and I had a conversation before I it went up because, you know, you were like, oh, we don't really review stand-up specials, eh, but I said... We don't really do it, but we do. I mean, yeah, but I, yeah. I, I sent it to you, and and, uh, I, and you published it, and, and I just thought it was it's the best stand up special I've seen that was not. And, and then it became then it became your most viewed review of all time. So what do Heck I know? Yeah, yeah. What do I know? And, and yeah, it's just it's just so I I'm, I love John Mulaney's new in town, his first special, like first like major special, and then I didn't really love anything he did after that, and then he he kind of disappeared for a couple years, and then he came back and did this, and it just talks about his addiction and and his rehab and he weaves this entire story it's like an hour long and it's just one long story with different little anecdotes along the way and it's so real and it's it's what stand-up comedy used to be and 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 the art of just monology and just a guy talking and being fascinated and you being fascinated by what he's saying to you and his stories that he's telling it's not about quotes or like one-liners or anything like that it's just really really storytelling good a uh, good comedic storytelling yeah um loved it absolutely loved it um you know what's sad they used to put those things in theaters like yeah like good stand-up comedy totally. they'd actually they'd actually like pay a lot like of money delirious. yeah delirious yeah. or anything with eddie murphy really you know yeah richard Town. i think uh was it richard kevin hart had some yeah kevin hart yeah. had one too yeah. and uh it's crazy like they, now they just all go to netflix it's yeah it's a little different. I mean, it makes it more accessible, but it's it'd be kind of cool to see a good comedy, stand-up comedy. It would, the and I think they it, it's hard for people to be like, oh, it's only an hour long, and I'm spending the same amount as I would. But I don't know. But yeah, and then the the Guardians three was my second favorite of last year. Um, again, it was. I mean, not again, but uh, I, I know. No, I'm surprised no one's talked about it. I think it was the maybe the best MCU movie uh, in t- ten years. But, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, my favorite movie last year was Past Lives. Uh, I, oh, that's hey, I haven't seen haven't seen anything that that good in a long time. Um, but yeah, since probably Drive My Car, new movie at least. New movie. Yeah, yeah. I've seen old movies out of that good. Well, you are right. New movies out of that good. Yeah. Anybody have any comments on Dungeons and Dragons or Guardians? Dungeons and Dragons was a lot funnier than I thought it was. Yeah, gonna be. me too. Dude, me Very too. surprising, but I love yeah. it. You know what's sad? If you, remember the old junkie Dungeons and Dragons movie from 2000 with like one of the Wayans brothers? Yeah, I did not see like, it. Like, no, it's terrible. But Jeremy Irons was great in it. If we could find some way to put Jeremy Irons from that movie into the new Dungeons and Dragons, it'd be a perfect movie. Yeah. Trust me, you don't under you might not get the reference, but it's really funny. So no, it's okay. no, he's not he's a- he's so funny in in the original film. He doesn't that movie is garbage, hot trash. He like his performance is what the entire new Dungeons and Dragons movie was, like over the top, funny, just you know, like Hugh Grant in the new one. He's just really mm. good. Best thing that Hugh Grant was in last year too, by the way. Yeah, better than Wonka. It's, it's really good. So, Susanna, any comments about those? Well, I didn't see Dungeons and Dragons. I did see Guardians of the Galaxy three though, and I liked it. I didn't love it, but it was good. Yeah. It was uh, James Gunn saying F you to Disney. Goodbye. Yeah, and I, I'm so, it's just like it, it, it was a first time in a long time that like a, any big budget franchise or sub franchise has has felt finished, has actually felt finished. Like you, you're like, I there's 
it might not be finished. They might resurrect this thing, but it feels like they can't. Like it feels like it would be a travesty if it's, they tried to. It's Disney. They don't care. Yeah, I know. I know it will, but it just. I, it's. I can't remember last time where I was like, yeah, this feels complete as a trilogy. Indiana yeah. Jones. Not even. Oh, yeah, it was the nineties <laughs> though. That 80s. was the 90s. 80s. The, well, night wasn't the third one in like 1990 or 80. Oh, maybe it was 89. 89, right on the cusp. Okay. So right there, right before things went bad. But um, yeah. so will any other any other favorites before we wrap this up? Uh, I think that was all of them. Those are all the ones that I've been I've been thinking about. Okay, because uh, I know you got to get going soon. So, but one quick thing, lightning round before we go. So, Ethan, bad movies, real quick, list them off. Yeah. Okay, Peter Pan and Wendy. Yes. Sucked. Yes. Um, I, it was the worst. I mean, it, people talk about how bad these live-action Disney remakes are. This one was not. This one is the worst one I've seen. It um, is. It's not good. It's boring. It's a mess. It's unoriginal. It's not magical. It's just like no. Neverland is bleeding grays and browns, and, <laughs> and it's oh my gosh, the acting is terrible. It's 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 like a TV movie, but worse. So bad. That's my least favorite movie last year. And then the next two were Saltburn. Uh, Suzanne, you wrote a really good yeah. review on that. Um, and it's just like it's just all substance. I mean, all style, no substance. And Emerald Fennell, I liked uh, Promising a Woman a lot. And I was excited about this. And um, you nailed yeah. it, though, with your review. Uh, it says nothing. And it just operates with, like, anger. And shock. It just, yeah, and shock. And it, it's, it's just not anything. It's so weird. Yeah. Is, this, um, is that the movie with the bathtub? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's like not even. There's no payoff in it that's worthwhile, and it's like. No. It doesn't say anything. It's like there's so much there that could have been, I think, done, and it looked Expanded great. On, and it then... looked good, and the set the set was cool. The um the the yeah. mansion was cool, but. Oh yeah, um and then um the the other one was was Barbie, uh, which is just uh, <laughs> basically propaganda, but um. I didn't yeah. like Barbie either. Yeah. Um. I liked the first like hour. It was really funny, and then it just kind of got like incredibly one-note preachy, and I was like, what? like I watched yeah. it with my wife, and she was like, "This is not even like remotely what I wanted to watch with this," and and I don't blame her, but it was not fun for me after the hour. But is it enough? <laughs> no, I, I said that one up, didn't I? No, it just, uh, you know. Yeah, Barbie. Like I said, it's it's the it's a movie that I don't think if it had made as much money as it did, I don't think we'd be talking about it seriously as as a <laughs> award contender. It's yeah. but it made it made a lot of money though. It did make a lot of people happy. Um, like you know, it's a Transformers thing. Remember, like people, some people don't like Transformers, but it does make money, which means the the studio can use that money to make other movies. Well, I wanted something like I, I thought it. W- I thought there was something there that could have been done differently, like where it's maybe. Um, like I don't know. Like there, there's a lot that was. I think they could have gone in a different direction, where maybe like she becomes the villain in when she comes back or something. As like she or she's the one who like um, I don't know. Like I, I feel like there was something there that could have maybe not been the popular choice and maybe turned people away from it on like a thematic level, but it would have been the right can, choice to make. Can I blow your mind for a second? Um, Please. Would you believe there have been two films? Uh, in the last 15 years that featured Barbie and Ken in billion dollar movies that were nominated for Best Picture Toy Story 3 yeah Yeah. like this this is not a isolated thing like Barbie and Ken in movies that make billion a billion dollars that are nominated for Best Picture this happened before and it happened better before (laughs) so it it happened and they were great by the way Jodie Benson I thought it was 
I also thought it was funny how even in Barbie's own movie, she takes a backseat to Ken. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Because Ken is Ken and Ryan Gosling were like the most popular thing about that. Yeah. I felt the same thing about the first Wonder Woman movie. I was like, the Chris Pine is like the standout of this movie. Like, isn't the point supposed to be that like I, Wonder Woman is... I'm not going to get political, but I thought it was interesting when the Barbie backlash, when it wasn't nominated for everything under the sun. Yeah. Um, I'll just say this. There was a very prominent uh, politician who was complaining about it. I won't say their mm. name. I won't say their name. I, I saw that. I you saw, saw that. that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And, and, mm. they, and they, they put out a tweet saying, oh, don't worry about it. Like, it's, it doesn't matter. I, I, I'm, Susanna, you know I'm going to mangle this, right? But yeah. it's just like, she's like, oh, don't worry. You're Knuff. Like, you literally, your tweet just proved that Ryan Gosling was the draw of this film. Like, yeah. you, didn't, you didn't quote Barbie. You quoted Ryan Gosling's character. And by the way, Ryan Gosling being nominated for Best Supporting Actor, which is, fun, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, whatever. Like, that doesn't take away from Margot Robbie because they're in se- they're in separate categories. So they're just yeah. I don't know. It's just too, people. No, nah, no, no, no. I don't. It yeah. got Ryan Gosling was really funny. I mean, like he's yeah. a great comedic actor. I love when he does comedies. But, well, um, it's great to see him in a movie that made money. Because yeah. usually, usually he's in like he's he's like Anthony Mackie. He's like sort of if he's in your film, it's probably not going to make a lot of money. <laughs> just. But, on, but people like it, though, at least, like, drive. Yeah, or... people like Ryan Gosling. Yeah, they like it. They, they definitely like him. They just want him in a bit. They want him in movies they can watch. So Yeah. Okay. Uh, Susanna, real quick, bad movies? Anything on your list? Um. Yeah. Uh, the Marvels. Mm-hmm. I didn't love The Marvels. I mm-hmm. thought it was really silly and, and weird and, I don't know, just not my thing. And then Aquaman 2. Hated it. I, I think it was a good way to end DC's horrible whatever they were trying to do all these years <laughs> and the Snyderverse the yeah no offense to Zack Snyder I love Zack Snyder it's just I don't know I it wasn't mean, a good fit yeah it doesn't work and Ant-Man 3 which I thought that's probably mm. my least favorite movie of the whole year I hated it I, I, I sense it's I sense a trend going on here with your <laughs> yeah I, I didn't see Aquaman 2 I I love the first Aquaman. Don't. James Wan's James Wan's Aquaman, the first one was is probably first my favorite solid. DC movie. Um, it's, he's just so good in it. Um, the direction is good, and, and I love do it. You, but uh, do you think that movie yeah, was sabotaged? Do you think it was sabotaged so it wouldn't be successful, so they wouldn't have to continue the Amber Turd thing? Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, they didn't even have a premiere for it. Yeah, like like so it kind of yeah. felt like they were trying to bury it. And you this know? this is a studio that is famous for killing films that are finished. You know, yeah. so, you oh, know yeah. for tax write-offs. It says, you know, they wanted to end this. There, there, there will be no more Aquaman movies, so, yeah. or, with, at least with him. So, yeah. But okay. I like Ant Man. I was it was okay. It made my worst list too. Both two, yeah. two of your worst made two of my worst. Susanna, um, yeah. Ant Man: The Wasp: Quantumania, and um, and oh goodness, what, what was the other one you said? Oh my goodness, the Marvels. The yeah, Marvels was um, really good. But uh, Ant Man: The Wasp. It took everything that the first two movies had, which were charm and irascibility, and turned it into a sh- schlock. And not good schlock. Ugly, dreary, just non-inventive Marvel garbage. Like, every every bad trope from Marvel were everything about it. And, and it had the audacity to set up Kang as the, the next big baddie, but he gets <laughs> defeated easily. Just... And then... Jonathan Majors was the best part of that movie, I think. Yeah, yes, he was, absolutely, he was. Cause, and it came out right around the same time as Creed 3, too, so he was kind of on top of the world at that time. Mm-hmm. And Loki, and, um, too, also. Yeah, Loki, too, and I don't know, it's just... It's just 
an it's a ug- shame, I guess. Ugly derivative yeah. of J. Like then you had the real Guardians of the Galaxy three show up a few months later, and that was the real mm-hmm. thing. Oh yeah, so good. So but the the Marvels is my I think the least the worst MCU movie. It just it's it's not even like a full movie. It's like two thirds of a of a movie. Yeah, I didn't like the first one much, so I wasn't yeah. hopeful for the second. But yeah, I mean, what was I expecting? Well, like, mm-hmm. it was you gonna know, blow my mind. I don't know. The the internet tells me that the only reason people liked the first one was because it was sandwiched between like Endgame and whatever. But no, I think the first one was fine. It's it's just at some point though the shtick is over, and I think I think it's a larger symptom of something else that we're just this genre is no longer able to surprise us the same way, or at least the, the people doing it aren't able to surprise us. Um, but anyway, bad stuff, bad stuff. Uh, is that it for you? Yep. Okay, so that means Will. Will, what's your what's your stinkers? Uh, landscape with, with invisible hand was Ooh. definitely up there. That was the first bad <laughs> review. It was not great. It was funny for most. I didn't hate it. I think it's like it's a it's coming of age story. It's okay in some parts, but I think my biggest gripe with it is that I didn't know what I was meant to feel during certain parts. It feels like there wasn't a consistent story I was meant to follow. It's like it's based off a book, and so it likes to. You know, section off a lot of the, the movie in different bits like it's different chapters the chapters don't really flow together very well and it feels like the ideas that carry from one don't follow into the other even though it's supposed to be in the same like month or two like same span of time so you know disjointed not great acting it was kind of forgettable um shortcomings was, de- was definitely <laughs> a letdown uh again it's funny it's it's some other reviews I saw for it that loved it thought that shortcomings was oh it's great because you get this protagonist who's underwhelming and you don't like him but he's he's meant to change by the end but the movie ends right before he's about to change so it feels like you just watched an hour and a half of a guy being uh. mean and rude to the people that like him you don't really know why they like him he seems just to he's just a downer to be around but he's not sad he's like just bitter and dismissive of other people unfairly so you're just watching this very unlikable character for a whole movie and it stops right before he gets likable again i i actually read the books those are based off the comic books and i was yeah. a, i'm the a comics fan more yeah it's like there's more depth there yeah comics are there's they changed a lot but there was one really interesting line in that film where the white girl when she breaks up with him and you know he's he's one of the ones to internalize who he is, and he's like, oh, it's not because of your race or because you're, it's because of you. Like, oh yeah, you know, like it wasn't. There's no underlying reason. You're just an asshole. You're not a fun yeah. person to be around. It is you. You are toxic. And that guy was in the honestly probably the best thing I watched last year, which was Beef. Um, oh yeah, the sh- that's the that Netflix out. show, right? Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, not a movie, obviously, but. Um, well, yeah, love, that was probably the best who, thing I watched last who's year. Who's the actress who plays his best friend, the uh, Korean girl? What's her? Uh, the she's named. It's, I call In her Shortcomings. Low, yeah, she's she's like low rent Aquafina. She's even got a similar name. It's Sherry Cola. Sherry Cola. Yeah, it's like we couldn't get Aquafina because she's too busy being in every other movie. So we'll get, we'll get Sherry Cola. She is in everything, by the way. Yeah, Aquafina. as birds, by the way. Somebody pointed that out. She played a lot of birds last year. So yeah, it's funny. Um. I liked I like pass I, I liked it a little better than you will, but I didn't think it was great at all. I I, I he he was unlikable, but he wasn't truly unlike. Does, it, does that make any sense? Like it, it was not not hateable. Just yeah, not hateable I enough. I hang out with him. Yeah, just yeah. yeah. I have friends like that too. It's like I like you're my friend, but I don't want to hang out with you. But yeah. I would borrow money from you. But 
Okay. Um, any other stinkers? Yeah, this one was a big letdown for me. <laughs> um, well, I, I'll, I, if I can do two right before I go. Yeah. Um, one was a do another documentary called Bama Rush, which I'd never heard oh, about. Oh, yeah. But I thought, ooh, a cool... I, I don't really know anything about the sorority rush life. I know it's really <laughs> intense. I know it's stressful. I know it's psychologically you've taxing. Never, you've never pledged? No. Mm -hmm. I have friends who did. and I mean, their experiences weren't as crazy as Alabama. Alabama takes... I mean, those colleges take their sororities very... They're almost like cults. They're basically, they're basically yeah. cults. But um, it, felt, it was funny. The director inserts herself a few times to kind of I think to create a little bit of empathy like oh what, the, what these girls are going through with like <laughs> intense physical ridicule is what I went through as a child with she has like alopecia mm -hmm. so your first time you hear that and you go okay it's alright so maybe it's, it's, you're supposed to say like this is even though it feels so specific to Alabama, these Alabama sororities it's really just it's a more cultural dialogue about how we're you know talking to people about their bodies and what they should feel bad about it's, it's ridiculous but then she in, she does that same thing a few times in the film so she takes away the camera from these main girls that we're following as they're going through the uh, rushing process makes it about herself and she goes and again she goes I had alopecia as a child oh, and man. Like, oh, you just told me this five <laughs> minutes ago it's like a farce oh jeez that's I mean that's also just bad documentary it's, it's a little a, weird like, it, like it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Michael Moore thing like it's you uh, know, makes them makes them a documentary about themselves yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, that sucks. and then I mean, I feel bad calling this like the worst of the year, but I was really disappointed with Maestro. Hmm. Yeah. I thought. I I just saw it. I, I just like saw it Bradley today. Cooper, yeah. and I, and I like. I like that he like tried to do this movie, but so much of it felt, a, if not disconnected, this kind of. I didn't know what I was meant to get out of it. I was mm. I was expecting. All right, we're gonna learn the beginning and end of. Um, Leonard Bernstein. I like how his career grew, what it meant for his family, but it feels. But I mean, this isn't really a spoiler because in the first minute, he's already successful. Yeah. Which I guess tells you, okay, so it's not supposed to be about his rise to fame. It's about how his fame, which I guess, how his fame as a composer affects the people in his life. Not the most original story, but fine. And also, it's Bradley Cooper. I like him. I love Karen Mulligan. But it, like it, it, it feels like it's the movie doesn't focus on the moments that make me understand where the stress is coming from like you only see the moments either right after or like when they've already had a fight and now they're just going through it again yeah it delivers it like, its major themes via like diatribe or like these yeah. long rants like it's it's not actually yeah like i know people were talking like oh i wanted them to like, go more into like the creative process which for sure like that would have been awesome to see like how yeah, he wrote yeah. uh like west side story or whatever but like um but just on like a more granular level though like or not or a more macro level like yeah like maybe just to like show things a little bit more subtly than just long tired rants or whatever i don't know yeah did um did you see Even it when there are really good moments yeah, there are really good moments. Yeah, has every, did everybody see Maestro? No, I haven't no, seen it. Yeah, seen it. Um, kind of dreading it. Well, <laughs> I I just saw it today actually for the first time. Um, mm. I've been sitting on it. Um, I agree with everything you said, Will. Um, it's not one of my favorite films of the year. Um, I don't even think it's a film, to be honest with you. Um, it felt it feels like one of those unsolved mystery like reenactments. And, and interesting. Bradley, well, Bradley, well, Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper, and Carrie Mulligan are fine, but they're not. Like, can I be honest with you? The nose is distracting. 
Okay. It yeah. doesn't work because he's a handsome man, and the nose just doesn't look right, and the black and white accentuates it. And I just I feel like I'm watching Steve Martin in um and what's the movie he made? Roxanne was it Roxanne? Yeah, Roxanne. Yeah, yeah. Rock, yeah. yeah it's it doesn't. And the, is he supposed to, like I've I've read three biographies on Leonard Bernstein. I've I've done everything. I have a collection of his stuff. I love Leonard Bernstein. If you haven't read it, read a book called um read a read a very small book by Tom Wolfe. Yeah, Bonfire of the Vanities guy called um. Radical Chic. It's all about uh, the. It's a real story about how Leonard Bernstein read, uh, met the Black Panthers. I don't think mm. like it's. He's a fascinating guy, but in this movie, all you do is see conversations, and it reminded me yeah. of that movie that came out. What was it last year, two years ago, about Lucy and Desi, with Nicole Kidman? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian the Ricardos. Yeah, and it's like we we know nothing about them. It feels like it was filmed on a soundstage, and they're good actors, but they're you can't see me. I'm doing the finger quotes, but they're acting. Like they're they're putting on a performance, you know. They're, they're acting. They're doing the acting thing. Let's do this, and it's it's not quite the same as like what Jeffrey Wright is doing in American fiction or Paul Giamatti's mm-hmm. doing. Like they're they're mimicking actions and people that existed, but there's no internal life. I think it's yeah. you're watching great performances, but you're watching like a stage performance. It's not, but there's no real movie there. I think it felt yeah. it, it reminded me. I didn't hate Maestro. I didn't yeah. love it. Um, it was very in the middle for me. Uh, it remind there were a lot of um, kind of cool uh, borrowing from um, Citizen Kane. Uh, and, and you know, Bradley Cooper is a of all the like actors turned director. I think he actually really has a passion for like studying film and like under trying to understand yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not a perfect movie at all. And it, 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 it definitely feels like. At least it doesn't do the like typical biopic beats. Like it, it picks mm-hmm. a, a, an aspect of the story. Like I hate when, like you watch a biopic and then it try it like focuses for too long about like one thing out of nowhere. And like this at least like well, kind of tells yeah. you what it's going to focus on. I guess you but... know you know who does that. In fact, it's the same guy who did the the Lucy and Desi movie. It's uh, Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. You know, he yeah. like, with the Steve Jobs, he'll pick certain elements and just recreate yeah. those elements. But yeah. but you don't know like if you don't know who Leonard Bernstein is, I don't think you're going to understand. Yes, exactly. Like at least like, with Lucy and yeah. Desi, like everyone knows. Yeah. Lucy and well, they Desi, showed like, they they showed recreations yeah. and everything, and I think had Bradley Cooper directed this movie more like Tar. Remember last year with Tar? Like yeah. Like yes. Like uh, Susanna, you you actually you actually convinced me of something when you were talking about it. When you watched like Killers of the Flower Moon, that movie mm-hmm. like is is has lush life like it is alive it is vibrant it feels passionate it feels but maestro feels like someone filming like performance you know um practices it doesn't feel alive it feels like they're just on a stage and for me it, it's just very shallow so i agree someone with on letterbox said atara is born for their that was their review oh really <laughs> well Leonard, had letter had letter bernstein lived he would have ended up directing like legend of zelda orchestras so that's uh yeah yeah it's true video games yeah okay um any other stinkers well before we go uh i mean next goal wins was also <laughs> down for me Ooh, i wanted to see that i didn't get to that i was like oh i got to yeah i was excited about it is that the yeah. movie that confirms what people thought that he's run out of ideas? Because that seems to be the consensus with him, and that's sad because he's really I funny. Like I don't know. I feel like he has so done enough stuff. Yeah, I mean, especially with Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, which, yeah. Man, huge surprise. And the death of, was it, did you do that? Death of Stalin too? Uh, no, that wasn't him. Death. That was that was a, a great an, movie. That, that was uh, the Veep guy, Anando. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. My bad. 
My favorite oh, movie uh, of the uh, year. We, uh, the, sh- um, well, the vampire one. Yeah. What are we doing the shadows? God, I love that show, but the last season wasn't great. And they canceled his pirate. Maybe he just needs better producers. He needs to, like, yeah. pick, a, pick a lane. Like, just stay with something for a while. Don't You don't have to do, like, 50 things. So Yeah. But he is a funny guy, though, and I'd, I'd like to see him. If he, They say he's going to do a Star Wars film. We'll see. We'll see. So, um, was that it? Stinkers for you? Uh, those are, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll just go through my stinkers real quick because I, I don't want to talk about movies I don't like. Um, I, I'll just go from the bottom up. No particular order, except for the last one. There, there is a worst movie. Um, so I'll start with Genie, the one with Melissa McCartney. And... <laughs> you, I love that you watched that, by the way. <laughs> well, because it's uh, Richard Curtis who wrote it. And I love oh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, the guy who did Black Adder and Mr. Bean wrote this movie. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. I forgot that he wrote that. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Never forget because uh, it'll yeah. happen again. Um, it's just not funny when Melissa McCartney just riffs. She needs direction. She needs to yeah. stop letting her husband direct her. She needs to have someone with discipline director, and they need to have funny scripts. And this is just – it's – someone had to say step in. and it, An intervention is necessary. But maybe they make money because they keep making these things. So I don't know. Maybe I'm – maybe I don't know. Um, anyway, moving forward, uh, you people. Oh, yeah. You hated that one. Oh, with a passion. It wasn't even my worst movie. Did anybody else see you people? No. Never even heard of it. What is it? The it's, Eddie Murphy. It's in Eddie Hill. Oh. Yeah. yeah. The movie – by the way, I, I, I was I was justified. Did, it turns out like the cast hated each other so much, Ethan, they had to CG oh. their kiss together. Really? I didn't know this. Yeah. I, wow. I knew something was off. But no, it's – Eddie Murphy plays a black nationalist, like black power, who hates white people. And of course, Jonah Hill plays a Jewish guy, and he's going to marry into his family. And it's it's that okay. dynamic, you know. That that's a good dynamic, you know. Everybody likes that dynamic. Son-in-law meets mm-hmm. father, whatever. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work. Not funny. I I forget who did it. Burris. Um, who directed this film? Um, uh, it was uh, Kenya Barris. Yeah, he's all over the news did, now. Um, he, he did a Blackish. He was on Blackish. Yeah, all those shows that are ish, he did them all. And um, yeah. he just announced that he's going to be remaking It's a Wonderful Life. Oh. And oh, that's, got, that's him. Yeah, I remember, heard about that. I remake. heard about him. Yeah, it's what else? He's remaking something else too. Wizard of Oz. He's remaking Wizard of Oz. Ah, yes. Uh, yes. Just that's his shtick now. That's a shtick that he's going to keep to it. Um, anyway, well, if he has Eddie Murphy in the "It's a Wonderful Life" remake, maybe um, it'll be good. Eddie Murphy was just in that other movie that came out, the Christmas movie on Netflix, which was also bad. Yeah, Candy mm-hmm. Cane Lane. Or it, was, it was bad, but it wasn't like offensively bad. Like, there yeah, were, it, it was more like early two thousands Eddie Murphy. Not great, but not mm-hmm. you know, it's not Norbit. So, like Meet Dave era. Yeah, yeah like it's okay. Not a thousand words bad, but you know. Yeah. But it's he's got he's got a Beverly Hills Cop four coming out, so we'll see. Yeah. But um. Anyway, uh, another movie that I found detestable and horrible, uh, The Little Mermaid. In every way that matters, this movie is yeah. is bad, shocking, bad, bad, unnecessary, bad. And but I I'd say that about all Disney remakes, so I'm kind of biased. But this one was mm-hmm. bad because um, I don't know if anybody else saw it and loved it. If you did, please, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> but the music was terrible. It just they took they took music they reorchestrated the new songs. The, the new songs. Or... Yeah. The well the. The, the new song. <laughs> one of the new songs. Do you, have, has everybody seen the original Little Mermaid, the cartoon? No, what um, is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember the fish song, the 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 Le Pois fish song with the the French chef? Le Pois, yeah. I love it. They took it out. They replaced it with an Aquafina rap, where she raps yeah. called the scuttlebutt. It's great. It's an hour longer. 
adds nothing. The movie is racist, by the way. The movie is racist with fish, and I, I couldn't believe it. Um, the direction is poor. The, the special effects are hideous. It is an ugly movie to watch. Holly, ho, not Holly Berry. You know who I'm talking about. Haley Bailey yeah. or whatever. Um, she's okay, but 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 she's surrounded in a movie that's incompetent and incompetently made. And so it's just this movie will come. It made a little money. No one's ever going to watch it. Let's just move on with our lives. So um, real quick, I'll just go these real quick. Uh, Strays. Did anybody see Strays? No, I wanted to no. see that actually. Um, it is a movie with the dogs that talk, and they well they talk rated to R or something. Right? They rated R, but they made one fatal mistake. Uh, they used CG to give the dogs lips. And oh yeah. That doesn't help. That doesn't help. Yeah. And it uses then it uh-huh. ends up using CG a lot for the jokes. And Ethan, you know I have a rule: if your yeah. comedy heavy relies on CG, it's not funny. And yeah, the true. rule the rule stands. Yeah. It stands. Yeah. Um, that's all I'm going to say. I'm it, surprised a movie like that is getting made nowadays. It's it's offensive. It seems like something that would have came out in like 2008 or something. Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't think any thought was put into it. I think let's be offensive for the sake of being offensive and not and not know why these offensive jokes are funny. Like it, it was Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx. Uh, Jamie Foxx is it? I think Will Ferrell's in it. There's a few others so, too. Yeah. Was Aquafina yeah. in it? She might have been in it. I don't Probably. Know. I don't know. She, she. I just assume she is until I know she's not. But the 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 funny thing is, it's not like super bad funny. Like super bad knew why it was funny. This movie does not know why it's funny, and so yeah. it it comes and it goes. Um, I have nothing to say about this next one. I'll just say it. There's a movie that came out. It happened. Um, it was called We Have a Ghost, and it the demon the do is it marlin wins the harbor yeah the what are the anthony mackie actually he, i forgot yeah. he was in it there we go i completely forgot anthony mackie was in it i forgot he was in a movie um and the guy from stranger things david harbour mm-hmm. he plays the ghost this movie goes uh-huh. nowhere um anyway i'll, I'll get the, we've already talked about ant-man and the wasp don't need to talk about that um here's a movie that i wanted to like really badly i even convinced myself i liked it but then the more i thought about it the less i liked it and now i hate it uh, this movie, I just, if you've seen it and like it, you're fine. You're allowed to like bad things. Uh, Evil Dead Rise. Mm, I didn't see that. One. I love Evil I didn't Dead. See it. I love old Sam Raimi. Um, well, have you seen this? Did, did, have you seen any of these? Uh, I've seen Evil, I've seen the first two Evil Deads, and I've been yes. mean to see Evil Dead Rise because I heard it was great. Yeah, the, here's the thing. <laughs> they did this 10 years ago with the other reboot. Well, don't take my word for it, but I'll say this. Evil Dead didn't become popular because it was scary and terrifying. It became popular because it was hilarious, creative, yeah. and funny. And they don't seem to understand that. So they, they take these movies and they remove all the comedy, remove all the jokes, remove all the slapstick, remove all the Looney Tunes references, remove all the, the char- charisma. Like, that's what makes Evil Dead funny. That's Sam Raimi's shtick. That's his style. That's why you watch... You know, you watch um, Spider-Man or you watch, you know, uh, what else was it called? Um, Doctor Strange. Like, he has a style, Darkman. It's not present at all in these films. It is a serious horror film. And you can't watch people's bones being cracked and eyeballs coming out and just without something to, to break the levity. You need to understand this is a cartoon. Like, this is Looney Tunes. And this, they don't have it. And it's, there's no point. You have, go watch Hostel. It's the same thing. So it's just, yeah, if you're going to watch torture porn, go watch something better. Uh, Let's see. Second, runner-up to last movie, and this is my final one, uh, runner-up, a movie called Joyride. 
Oh yeah, those the girl from Everything Everywhere All at Once and yep. someone else. Uh, Stephanie yeah. Hugh, I think. And yeah. I think uh, was it also Sugar? What's her name? Sugar Mama? No, Strawberry. Sherry Cola. Sherry Sh- Cola. I'm so sorry. I can't get my fake names right. But um. And uh, Brenda Song too. Brenda Song. Was she in it? Oh wow, that's a throwback. Here's the thing. Um, there's been a couple movies, including Past Lives, including Shortcomings, where people promote films as Asian instead of promoting them as movies, right? Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that if your movie is predicated on social justice activity for being Asian and it's not funny, then you you hurt your cause. This movie is not funny. It was based on a horrible premise, horrible idea, horrible racism, badly acted, horribly directed, just garbage direction that I can't even begin to say, and nobody's funny. And we're not going to talk about it. We don't have time. But Ethan, the opposite of Joyride is a movie that I think you hated, but I liked. Um, I like Quiz Lady. I don't think you did. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. It was just like I I I, I enjoyed it. I just didn't think it well, was. Well, you don't like you don't like Sandra O. Oh. <laughs> so I don't. Yeah, she's rubbing it. But, but I I liked I like I actually like Aquafina. <laughs> yeah, no, I like Aquafina too in the right yeah, thing. I think um, she's good in, in good things. Yeah, in the right in thing. good things. But, but I liked in... the premise of Quiz Lady, and I I was I had high hopes for but, it. I guess I'm a big Jeopardy guy. But Quiz Lady was a story where the characters like. You know, ethnicity wasn't necessarily the driving force. It was just yeah, it was who they it were. Yeah, nothing to do with it. And yeah. it was, and it had a real story with real heart. And Joyride was like, let's make a R-rated comedy. Now, here's when you know it's bad. And cover your ears if you're sensitive. And I'm so sorry, Suzanne, if I say anything horrible. But like, if you're gonna have a sex comedy, but then you you talk about butt plugs and you talk about insertions and all this, but then you show the sex scenes and the ladies are covered up. You're not an R-rated sex comedy. Yeah. You can't have it both ways. You got to show me the. You got to show me the full Monty. So if you're going to be gross, be gross. You know, Jennifer Lawrence did it. She went full Monty, and, oh, her, yes. and her movie was better. So, that was actually not a bad movie either. Yeah, it's not bad. It's good if you love it. Especially good if you love, um, uh, what's the song? What's the song they played in the film? During, during that part? Oh, uh, Hollow Notes. Remember? Oh, yeah. Man, Maneater. Yeah. So, Maneater, yeah. Anyway, Joyride, if you like it, you know, whatever floats your boat. But I thought it was terrible. Uh, anyway, the last worst movie that I saw in 2023, and I, I will be very brief, uh, was The Beanie Bubble. Oh, yeah, you hated it. Huh? No, I hated this. I caught this on a plane, so maybe it was the turbulence and the fact our plane was delayed, or maybe it was the fact that the movie was just garbage. Um, this is a movie, a brand movie like we talked about, that's supposedly based on the creation of the Beanie Babies, but the director and the writer, who I believe is Al Gore's daughter, of all nice. things fully admitted they didn't bother doing any research. They didn't bother making it realistic. They decided to take... Uh, they made a feminist film where it is so feminist, they had to create three fictional women based on real women so they can they can vilify them. Uh, they vilified the creator of The Beating Babies ten times more. It's not a real film, but it's it wasn't sold as fiction. It was sold as the creation of The Beanie Babies. And because of that, you've the whole time you're watching something, you feel like you're watching propaganda, but you don't know why, you don't know what propaganda for. You don't know mm. how you're supposed to feel. You just feel it's wrong. It's not well done. Um, I like the actors. I like I like Zach Kilgafish and or Zach Galifianakis, and I like um, uh, what's her name? She directed Cocaine Bear. Okay, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, she's great. Like she's good in it. Like, but the movie itself is just I don't know. It's like low rent HBO stuff from the '90s. It's it's not good, and and I think that's it. That's all I have to say about that. So, 
And I think uh, we've gone a little longer than we should have, but I think it's okay. I think uh, this is a good time to wrap up. So we've done it. We did it. We talked about the best and the worst. And we missed a whole bunch of stuff because there was a lot of stuff <laughs> that came out in 2023. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. I do think it's time to wrap up. And before we do that, I just want to say thank you once again for everybody listening to the Movie Time podcast from popzara.com. Uh, you made it through. This is one of the longest episodes we've done in at least a year. So next year we'll yeah. beat it. I um, want to say thank you again to my frequent, uh, my frequent co-host, Ethan Brem. Ethan, thank you very much. Thank you. But I want to say special thanks to our two first-timers who have never been on a podcast ever before. This is it. This is the first time forever them. First, Will Griffin. Will, thank you very much. You did great. Thank you very much. Thank you. And sorry for going so long. I know you, I know you have like a special mission in Afghanistan to go to, but, you know, I guess. <laughs> no worries. And also, very special thanks to the other newbie, uh, Miss Susanna uh, uh, Borges. Did I say that right again? Good, good, good. I yeah, did it. I, I'm going to play the lottery. So thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. You guys added so much. We couldn't have done it without yeah. you. Thanks, and guys. with that, I think it's time to say goodbye, and we will see everybody next year. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Pop Zara podcast. Remember to like, follow, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app or service.